This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into a Friday edition. It's our Dr. Christopher Monick's championship drive, our final stop of the season. Mark and Lee in uh, Air Sports One. We're on the campus of McGill Tulin Catholic High School. You guys can jump in on the conversation at 694-1055. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. And Lee wishes every morning we could get up and talk about baseball. Man, he's going to get his wish today. Yeah, you know, Mark, you always like to start the weekend off on the good foot. You look forward to, well, I got Saturday, Sunday, even most of Friday. But I got to tell you, I've got about four, maybe five individuals who are not looking forward or not getting off to a good start this weekend. One of them is Alabama baseball, our former Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon, fired yesterday by Greg Byrne, the man who hired him, this after he was implicated in the suspicious betting activity. Now, Mark and I are going to dive deep into this in just a minute or two, so give me a second. How about this? The Milwaukee Bucks had the best overall record during the regular season, 58 wins. Not good enough. Mike Butenholzer has been fired as the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. And then you go to one of the major, major events this weekend, the Kentucky Derby. And there have been three horses scratched. If, if, we haven't really talked much about this, but it's been a dreadful week for the Kentucky Derby. There have been four horses that have died. And one of the trainers, Safi Joseph Jr., ha, two of his horses have died. He has apparently been cleared by Churchill Downs, but he has been suspended. And in doing so, one of their horses that he trains has also been taken out of the Kentucky Derby. That would be uh, Lord Miles. So uh, three horses are scratched. Bro, how would you like to be a horse at that group? Like, hey, we're, good news is we're going to the Derby. Bad news, oh, we're going to the Derby. That's a terrible story. It is. It, it's a tar- it really is, for especially horse lovers. And, you know, four horses have died. They're investigating. Oh, he, tra- he trained two of them. Now, he's been suspended. But then there's another uh, narrative to this that he's been cleared of any wrongdoing. So we don't know why what? those horses have passed away. But one of his horses has been scratched. Mom, I made it. Say goodbye. <laughs> so finally, and there's another here. But we got a couple of Southern Cal students. Uh, they've been uh, arrested, charged with stealing jerseys at the NFL draft. What caught my attention, these are Southern, two Southern Cal students. One's a 19-year-old freshman. The other is 41 years old. So I had to look closely at this. 41, obviously he's not a freshman, but he's a grad student and a U.S. Army vet. And they've been charged with stealing uh, Dallas Cowboy, Minnesota Viking, and 49er jerseys from the Nike office at the and at the NFL draft in Kansas. So like the number one jerseys, exactly. the ones that were going yep. up there? That's the one. Wow. Well, let's get back to, first of all, last night in college baseball, Alabama defeated Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's ranked number five in the nation, 11-2. to James Jackson is the interim coach. Some of you may remember him as a pitching coach at South Alabama. Why was he the interim coach, Mark? Uh, uh Coach Bohannon is no longer part of the program after video footage surfaced that uh, linked him uh, to a uh, person of interest who placed a quote-unquote large bet on the Alabama-LSU game a week ago. 
this is there's no way there's no way to sugarcoat this. This is a huge black eye for the Alabama baseball program, and yet another black eye for the Alabama athletic program. And you start to wonder just how much of this is going to come back on Greg Byrne now because it has not been a stellar year from a PR standpoint for Alabama at all. Mark, I got to uh, first of all, I'm, I'm going to get to your conversation because I think that's the most important thing. You got to be out of your mind in this day and age with technology to be implicated in something like this. I have never, in following college baseball since 1980, I have never seen a bigger story hit the uh, sports world than this story prior to the College World Series. There has never been any magnitude to this that I am aware of. This caught fire with all of the Internet sites, CBS, Yahoo. They were all leading with it, ESPN. And, Mark, you have the advantage. Now, you talk to this integrity group out in Vegas because they're the ones who – Oh, I'm not supposed to say. I'm sorry. Did I do you, something wrong? <laughs> I thought you said, okay, you talked to some individuals. Let's put it that way. Let's backtrack. That gave you some real insight into this. So the first question everybody was talking about is what is a big, like everybody kept hearing about this large bet. And so uh, it's, really not the, it's really not the issue that really sent the red flag to, to, to the industry, right? So. I found out some interesting information. One, I'm not telling you don't know, but a large bet by college football, major college football or NFL standards is, is six figures. That is not uncommon to get a six-figure bet on, a, on an NFL game or, or a Power 5 college football game, right? The definition of a big or large bet in college baseball, though, is like $5,000, that much? Yeah, I mean, but but in in comparison to what we're talking about, it's it's peanuts, right? So the other issue, so that's that's one issue. The other issue is no one, and you, we talked about this all there. No one, for, uh, comparatively speaking, bets on college baseball. It's just it's it just doesn't see a whole lot of action. In fact, seventy five percent of all bets on college baseball happen during the College World Series. So there are a couple of different ways in which red flags get raised on bets like this. One is large bets, which I was told was not the case. That wasn't the reason. Everybody was focusing on this large bet, but it wasn't. What it, security systems like this uh, have kind of a two-prong attack. One, the system picks up abnormalities, right? Uh, is, a, is a bet coming from, a, from an account that normally doesn't have that much money in it, right? If, if you bet... 10 bucks every week, but you drop 1500 that's going to send up a red flag. Secondly, if you were to do a six-figure bet, these companies, these sports books, these casinos know your commodity, know that you're going to do it, right? They know who you are. So if, you, if you've never done it and all of a sudden you put up a major bet or a big bet, it's going to raise a red flag. So there are, there are systems in place. There's a system that throws up red flags. Uh, if your account you know, doesn't carry a whole lot of money, but now it's got a really large balance in it, like a one-time deal, like that throws up a, a red flag. And then the other way is operators. They have operators that look for abnormalities, and, I th- and I'm, I've been told that's what happened here. There was an, and that would, inc- that would, that would uh, be consistent with the idea that there was video found. So an operator found this. Those operators then uh, reach out to the sports book, the sports book then sends out notifications to other sports books, which is why those other states 
closed down the betting on Alabama baseball because there was an abnormality. Um, so, yeah, the system, as it turns out, checks and balances. Yeah, that's pretty I, good. I asked, so yeah. is this a black eye on gambling in college sports? And the person I talked to said, no, it's just the opposite. It proves that the system works. So what wound up happening is you're probably looking at a bet around five grand or more by a guy that was in contact with the Alabama coach. So uh, all of that information is going to be uh, taken in account. They're going to send it to an, an agency that has uh, legal jurisdiction, and uh, we'll see what goes what, what happens going right. forward. Don't expect, by the way, any bets to be available on Alabama baseball for the rest of the season, though. By next season, it should be. Not that anybody would want to bet on Alabama baseball. To catch you up, for those who just joined us and aren't familiar with the story, this goes back to last Friday night's opening game at Alex Box Stadium between Alabama and LSU. Uh, LSU wound up winning that game eight to six. They swept that series. They were winning at one point eight to one or eight to two, something like that. Alabama made a pitching change prior to the game. They announced that their starting pitcher would not pitch because of back spasms or something like that. So they started somebody else who hadn't started many games. Whether that played into it, I don't know. Like I said, details are still coming out. Alabama, after the firing, said they're they're not going to issue any other statements. It's an ongoing deal. I think very important to mention that so far. And let's hope this is true, that no student-athletes are involved in this. Right now, it's only on the head coach, Brad Bohannon, who had been at Alabama for six years and had done relatively well in comparison to some of the guys that he had succeeded. He spent many years in the SEC. He was at Auburn for a couple of years. He was at Kentucky for a long, long time, Mark. And he, you know, he, he was the head coach up until uh, this series with Vanderbilt. I think it's remarkable that Alabama goes out and wallops Vanderbilt by a score of 11-2 to two after all this fell into place because Vandy is one of the top teams in the nation. So kudos to them, and hopefully they can you know, do well going into the uh, SEC tournament. But uh, great stuff on your part, at least reaching people who have a better understanding of this. And like I said, until yesterday... I really had no I had no idea that he was involved in this at all. Yeah, it was it's it's a there's really no way to spin this. I mean, we talk about the the pitfalls of gambling with college athletics and the, there's Alabama fans there's there's no way to spin this. And then so you go back on Greg Byrne now because you look at the the uh for lack of a better term, a rap sheet over the last year of all the issues that, that they've had in this athletic department. It's not a good look. Uh, it's a black eye on Alabama, uh, the baseball program. And and, they're, and for what? We're looking at, what, maybe a $5,000 bet? Maybe? Maybe $10,000 bet? Just some random – it's such a bonehead move. As you pointed out, there's so many different ways that they could have done this. You could have gone online. You could have used a phone. This dude went to us. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, yeah. And, and poor when, execution. When we, when we mentioned the Major League Baseball Park, uh, apparently they, you could take bets there. The Great American Ballpark. That's where the Cincinnati Reds start. That's what where this started. That's why the Ohio betting, whatever it is, gambling betting, whatever their organization is called. They're the ones who initiated this based on uh, this group out in Vegas, and then it's spread to other states. I think there's at least four states now that have cut down any uh, betting on Alabama baseball games. All right, so you guys can uh, comment on this uh, as we move forward. It'll be a big topic of conversation. We're going to actually talk to Mike Rodak coming up of AL.com. He's going to join us uh, at 8 o'clock with more specifics on this case. Uh, Blake Stein. Um, Right here at McGill, he's played baseball on all sorts of levels. He's going to join us here at uh, 7.30, and he'll give us his take 
mostly just wanted to get his reaction when he hears stories about baseball and gambling and what's his immediate reaction to that. So we got a lot going on today. It's our final championship drive. We're at McGill Tulin. Uh, we're going to take your calls when we come back. Uh, you guys can jump in, 694-1055. The new McGill coach, football coach, will join us here in about 10 or 20 minutes. Uh, they have begun spring football here. We'll also talk to the AD, Bill Griffin. Track and the track team uh, is at in Gulf Shores for the state championship uh, meet. We'll talk uh, to Drew Bentley coming up in hour number two. Cheryl Flores and the soccer team also uh, in the midst of the playoffs. We'll talk to them in hour number two. And uh, history being made by a student here at McGill. We'll give you all the details coming up. Here comes your first scoreboard traffic and weather. Todd Weissong's in the house from Beefo Brady's. You know it's a Friday right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. Stay with us. Hi, this is Luis Gonzalez, former South Alabama Jaguar and Major League player. You're listening to WNSP Mobile. drives it deep to left field Polk back to the fence it is gone and Alabama's got something to cheer about a second inning grand slam for Andrew Pinckney 623 just getting started here on a Friday thanks for making us part of your morning it's the Dr. Christopher Monex championship drive Mark and Lee and Air Sports One we're on the campus McGill Tulin Catholic High School. You know, Alabama hit three home runs yesterday in the win over Vanderbilt, and, you know, the biggest story in college baseball in a long, long time uh, with the uh, uh, firing of Brad Bohannon implicated in the uh, betting uh, scandal that was discovered in the state of Ohio. By the way, before we continue, thanks. We got a lot of sponsors for today's show. I really want to appreciate Will Barnes' family at McDonald's Restaurants, Greer's Markets, and Cash Saver with that great new location down there at St. Lewis. Uh, of course, uh, Rich's Car Wash, we thank them for coming aboard. Uh, Ward International Trucks, LNS Air Conditioning, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, and Beef O'Brady's. Jeez, I wonder what's on the menu today. Maybe my shrimp bowl, I hope. Oh, I, I had one of your uh, shrimp bowls the, the other day. Well, good for you. No wonder you're losing weight. The, uh, the, uh, I think we were in talks. Todd Weissong here, Beef O'Brady's, joins us here. We were kind of discussing, do we rename it? Is it the Shervanian Sher- shrimp? Or? That's where I felt like we were going with that, is the Shervanian shrimp. That sounds better than Bubba shrimp. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you think that would increase sales on the on the bowl, or do you think people would be a little more um, skeptical? I think they're going to be more skeptical. Based on the followers he has on Twitter, yeah. I don't think we're going to have really big issues with this. <laughs> have you seen my Twitter list? I have. I follow you. You do? Yeah. Where, where do you follow me? I don't even follow myself. <laughs> it's, it's where, am I, where am I going? I don't know. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, uh, this is the final stop. Again, we want to thank you for everything you've done uh, and Beef O'Brady's for our uh, championship drive. You have sponsored basically 10 athletes a week at recognition, get a student athlete uh, uh, mention a week in every school we've been to. We really do appreciate it. I know you're very fond of the spring season. Yeah, you know, spring sports, I feel like they just don't get enough credit for what they do. Uh, We want to make sure we get that exposure for those young, talented kids we have in the Mobile area and Baldwin County area. That we get the exposure. We want to make sure they get their name out there and that, and that hopefully some coaches are listening that, you know, would pique some interest in these kids. You know, Todd, I think it should be mentioned before I forget this, that the must man, you know, when he started charging for what on Twitter, that blue thing, whatever they call it, it didn't affect me. 
<laughs> it didn't? No, it didn't I affect me. I am so shocked by yeah, that. Yeah, it did infect me. You Maybe you Mark, but not me. Yeah, it actually did in, in, impact my... Uh, you, you did not have a blue check. I didn't have a blue check. I didn't think I did. Uh, would you like one? No. All right. I think I think he deserves one. You think he deserves well, one? Well, if he gets the what nappy it, eight, again, I mean, eight dollars, sure. eight dollars a month for charging. <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't even look into it. It's not worthy of that situation. No. Uh, Todd, tell us uh, what folks can expect when they come by and see you. Well, you know, today's fish and chips. You know, Mark, it's always fish and chips on Friday. We open up at ten o'clock. You can come see us at forty-four nineteen Range Line Road, right in front of Lowe's. Open up till ten a.m. And we'll be open until 10 o'clock tonight, so come see us. It's Cinco de Mayo, so, of course, today we have plenty of specials, so come see us today. And uh, for all you spring athletes who are winding down and looking for something to do this summer, you're hiring? Oh, we are hiring. We are actually getting some people in, which has been a blessing kind of thing. So, But, yeah, if you're still looking for something to do this summer, a few hours a day, just going to make a few bucks for whatever, what you got going on for college or for just high school, come see us. So if they mention WNSP and, and they want a job, is that a good thing or is that a, is that a bad? It's probably a good thing that they mention WNSP. What if they're mentioning me or Lee? Well, if they d- I don't know. I haven't quite figured this one just out yet. <laughs> I might go. This might be a 50-50 shot. If it says Lee, maybe a better chance. Mark, I don't know. I, All right. So do, not use, do not use my name if you want a job at Beef Over 80s. Uh, Todd, we really do appreciate everything. What was your initial reaction when you heard the words Alabama and gambling in the, in the same sentence? Shocker. No, no, it was not yeah, a shocker. I was going to say, those about Radio Vision did not no, see the sarcasm. Yeah, I, I, there's so many things that I wish I could say about that on air, but I'm not going to say them. I'm not going to be negative to Alabama. All right. I think this is just you uh, still sour about the whole Notre Dame quarterback thing. <laughs> I'm actually good with that. I think everybody should see. Once that quarterback comes in there and does a horrible job, you guys are going to be on my bandwagon, not on that bandwagon. Wow. How about that, Lee? Todd, you follow soccer in this area. I saw where Davidson and Daphne, did they play tonight? They will play tonight. That's yes, like sir. a That's huge, stage. huge game. Isn't it last year? Didn't Daphne upset or beat Davidson to, to move on? They did. I mean, and, we, and we've played Davidson twice this year, whatever else, and both times it's gone into PKs or actually gone either overtime our PKs. That's penalty kicks, Lee. And so um, <laughs> we did da- uh, Baker boys had to play Daphne on Tuesday, and Daphne's a great team. I mean, they, they Noah does a great job in the midfield, and, uh, you know, they do have a great coaching staff there, and so I feel like Daphne might have a little edge this year kind of thing, just with the experience. But you can never hold out with Kodomo and uh, and uh, Joan over there at Davidson. They do and, a good job. And here at McGill, they're hosting Fairhope later today. The girls? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they actually beat Baker on Tuesday night, um, you know, against my daughter, which is kind of heartfelt. But, you know, but they're a good team. They're well coached. Got a lot of girls on there. They're a young team. They only have one senior on that team with Julia. And uh, the rest of the team with Reagan and, and some of those other girls, they're, they're, they're a good team. They'll go far. Mr. Weissong, sir, as always, we appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk some spring football right here with the McGill Tool and football coach David Faulkner's next right here on the sports station WNSP. Welcome back in. There's a little snippet of last night's Lakers-Warriors game. Ironically, uh, LeBron, after the game, talked about how they're 
one of the best, if not the best, defensive teams in the uh, in the league. Uh, maybe he didn't see the scoreboard when he walked out of the arena that night. I, I'm not sure. Welcome back in. It's the Doc Chris Romanek's championship drive from McGill Tulin. Yeah, Steve Kerr made a huge adjustment. He took uh, Looney out of the lineup and put uh, Jermichael Green in, and it paid dividends yesterday. And it's funny how the, the two series that we've been spending a lot of time on mirrored one another. 76ers win their road game against the Celtics, a close game, and get blown out by Boston in game two, the home team. Same thing, Lakers win their first game against Golden State, and then Golden State needing a victory badly just blew them apart yesterday to even that series. Thanks to our sponsors, James Donaghy Contractors, of course, McGill Tulin. We really appreciate them coming aboard as a sponsor. Shipyard Supply, the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm, LNS Air Conditioning, uh, Ward International Trucks, and we also welcome Khalifi, Betzel, and Adams Accounting. Really appreciate them coming on, as we do the new football coach, David Faulkner, no stranger to these parts, a long history of coaching in the greater Mobile area. And David, good morning. How are you today? Uh, good morning, Lee. Thanks for having me on. Well, we've talked to you uh, when you got hired about you know coming back, so we've covered that. I think what we've got to do now is look towards spring football uh, and just talk about that and what's going on now as far as getting everything in gear. Yeah, you know, uh, we're, we're excited to get spring ball started. It's a great opportunity for us as coaches kind of evaluate our, our team and our players and kind of what progress we've made over the off season And, uh, you know, the, the kids have come out with a lot of enthusiasm, and we've had two really, really good days of practice. I've been uh, – really pleased with with our effort uh, obviously spring ball you're going to be a little rough on the execution but our, but our kids have been uh, uh, really locked in their efforts been really good and I think this is a bunch that's uh, really hungry to have a good fall do you uh, have a jamboree game or a game against somebody else to wind up or are you just going to scrimmage yourselves uh, we'll finish up May 20th at uh, Viger versus Viger High School so that'll be uh you know, everybody knows traditionally what what Viger is, and they'll they'll be well coached, and they'll have a, I'm sure they'll have a tremendous amount of athletes running around. So it'll be a good challenge for us. But uh, you know, by that time in spring, we'll we'll need to get out there and chase somebody else around. Have you uh, added any coaches to your staff? Uh, we've we've added a number of coaches. We've had a uh, uh, we've kept uh, two guys off the uh, previous staff and uh, added a number of guys. Uh, to our staff, you know, defensively, we've added uh, Tracy Buckhannon, who's a, a longtime friend of mine and a tremendous football coach, and he, he'll be our defensive coordinator. And, um, you know, when you start looking for guys that you want to bring into your program and be around your kids every day and, and to teach your kids uh, the game of football and to be a role model to them as, uh, you know, uh, what a man should should do on a daily basis. Uh, Tracy checks all those boxes, so I'm excited to have him here. Uh, we've added Donnie Brady to the defensive staff on D-line. He's a former player here. Uh, coached on uh, the freshman staff for a while. We're, we're glad to have him. Ashley Johnson returns, coaching linebackers. And then we're in the process right now of adding uh, a couple of guys uh, on DB staff. And uh, so hopefully we'll get to announce him pretty quick when that gets official. You left West Virginia in an office like director of football operations for Neil Brown, something like that. How how did that, if any, help in your football development? Did it really add to it? Do you come back here with different view on football or, or anything new after coaching so long here in this area? 
Uh, well, I think one thing with uh, if, if you know Coach Brown and you're familiar with him, he is a great organizer and a great planner. He has a he has a great idea on how to build a program. He's a program builder, and uh, I, I think you know in my working with him on a daily basis and, and kind of watching the inner workings of uh, how to structure your your different areas within your uh, program and, and, and how it all should be in alignment, having that one vision and, the, and everybody is in alignment on what the goal of the program is. I think that was tremendous for me in terms of how to do that. And then he, he is a really, really good football coach and, and uh, really uh, picked up some things there from uh, – practice scheduled uh, you know to those kind of things and then a couple of plays here and there that you know that are kind of hot now in, in in the football world but uh was just a great experience for me to uh to work you know so closely with with coach brown and in that staff there and it was uh uh I feel like I got some benefit from it. I guess we'll find out here shortly. McGill Tulin, football coach David Faulkner, I guess, here on WNSP. What was your first message to the guys when you got to campus? Uh, I'm always curious when someone comes into a program, what's the message, what's the mentality? Uh, how do you put kind of your stamp on uh, a program? Uh, I think when the first thing you do when you come in is you've got to create that vision. You got, you, you've got to have that one thing that everybody knows, that this is McGill Tulin football and the First thing I told them was, hey, we're going to be a fast, physical football team that doesn't beat itself. And, and, and we're going to approach every day with that in mind. And, and that's the way we're going to lift weights. That's the way we're going to train. That's the way we're going to practice. And, and, and eventually that's the way we're going to play. So, And then the next thing I told them was, hey, you, you, you got to believe. And the quicker we get buy-in and we get quicker that we get belief and guys all in, the quicker all of this will happen. What's the uh, do we do we know yet what the offense may look like? Are we uh, are we uh, are we pounding the ball? Are we throwing it all over the place? Do we, know, is it yet to be determined? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, I guess reputationally, I'm a guy that honestly, you know, likes to throw it all over the field and, and, and do all of that. But I do understand that if you're going to win championship level football, you got to be able to run the football and you got to be able to stop the run. Uh, so. Uh, our focus in the spring really is going to be on those f really physical aspects of the, of the football game, blocking and tackling, and uh, you know, and then how that looks in the fall really depends on kind of as we put our team together, you know, what what we're good at, what we do well, and then we'll we'll call plays based around that. Talking with David Faulkner, and as you look ahead, you know, to this, how much, how much, of, as far as returnees, do you have? Are you have a, a team coming back with a lot of experience, or have many of the seen, uh, many of the players moved on, and you're going to have to develop uh, players right here at McGill? Uh, well, defensively, uh, we lo we lost a lot of guys. I think we lost, uh, you know, a tremendous amount in the box there, defensive line, linebacker-wise. Uh, uh, we've got a couple of guys back in the secondary, but we lost half our secondary. So we're really in a uh, kind of development mode there, just trying to find out what those pieces look like and who those guys are. And then offensively, we got some returners up front uh, that are pretty good, and a couple of guys uh, in the skill positions there. I guess you could say we we have a returner at quarterback, our two slots, but we missed. You know, we're lo we lost a key piece at running back, and we lost a. Uh, uh, you know our most productive wideout. So I, I think you know we've got to figure out what that looks like and who's going to step in those roles. So uh, we've got a relatively young team, but we also got some guys that got a lot of experience. Played a lot. They played a lot of young guys last year, and 
um, you know, that will kind of that kind of help us moving forward. Uh, Mark, Dave, and I were reminiscing a little bit, and, and we started talking about Bayshore Christian, and they're going to start up a, a football program. And I think next year is more of a training part. But we're so happy to see Phil Lazenby back in uh, coaching. He'll be a head of football operations. I think they said they'll field a JV team in, in 2024. But I couldn't help but ask David. David was on that staff, Elmer Bryant's first year, right, Dave? Yes, sir. What, could, could a team ever duplicate that again in your very first year, go undefeated during the regular season? I mean, everything has to mesh and everything. And you remember that staff, and it all came together in one of the most incredible years I've ever seen here. And that was the first year that the, they were in existence. Uh, yeah, it was really a storybook year. You, you, you're right. We went 10-0, and and I think we wound up losing to Viger in the third round maybe in a heck of a ball game. Uh, I don't know if people in Mobile remember Larry Howell, but he – Man, he put on a show that night, and he was really the difference in the game. And you know, the thing about going ten and zero in the regular season, we didn't give up a point defensively to like week eight. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we had, we started the year with seven shutouts, and uh, so yeah, that was a tremendous story. You know, I don't, and I don't know if that will ever be uh, duplicated again quite like that. But uh, yeah, that was a that was a great memory in, in my coaching career, and was definitely a, uh, proud to be a part of that. And then you moved on, I think. Uh, I know you were at Fairhope as a head coach. Didn't you also go to Enterprise for a little bit? Yes, I was a f head coach at Fairhope for three years and then the head coach at Enterprise for eight. Well, we hope you're here a lot longer. Yeah, right? yeah that, that would be awesome. Uh, when we were interviewing and going through that process, I think they were looking for someone that, that wanted to be here long term, and I was, I was looking for somewhere that wanted a coach to be there long term. And uh, uh, we love Mobile. I was always impressed with McGill Tulin as an the opposing coach standing on the other sideline, and and now I'm I'm excited to be standing on the home sideline and being part of McGill too. Did he have any influence on you? <laughs> yeah, Bill. Bill had a lot of influence on me. I, the, <clears throat> in the interview process, the one thing that you realized about those sitting in the room interviewing with you, they love McGill Toolin Catholic High School, and uh, that was apparent. And uh, after being here for almost two months, I, I see why. Coach, we really do appreciate you stopping by. Uh, congratulations. Best of luck with spring. Uh, I heard you didn't waste any time, man. You, you, you hit the ground running on day one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a blocking and tackling game, and uh, we, we need to do those things. And you've got limited time in the spring. You only have really nine practices and then that tenth one playing the game. So uh, we needed to get to work and, uh, and, and get better and use our days uh, you know, the most efficient way we could. Well, we appreciate you stopping by this early in the day. And uh, best of luck. We'll be in touch for sure. Uh, thank you. Thanks for having us on. All right. So when we come back, uh, we're going to uh, be joined by the athletic director here at uh, McGill Toolin, the impeccably dressed Bill Griffin's going to join us. <laughs> it's the Dr. Chris Ramonek's championship drive. I thought Matt's dad walked in here for a second. Uh Right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. We're going to wrap up our number one next. Stay with us. Hi, this is Juan Sierra, former South Alabama Jaguar, former MLB player, and you're listening to WNSP. up hour number one the dr christopher monix championship drive mark and lee we're 
here in the studios of Air Sports One on the campus of McGill Toolan Catholic High School. Yeah, and you just heard the walk-off home run for Cali for Washington as they won their game yesterday. Let's bring in now Dr. Christopher Mullinex. This is the Mobile Oral and Facial Surgery Championship Drive, our final drive. We are at McGill Toolan. Dr. Mullinex, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning, guys. Doing well. Thank you. All right, as you know, uh, school's getting close to wrapping it up for this academic year. Is there a correlation with schools finishing up and then students coming to see you for wisdom teeth extractions? Absolutely. We're really busy in the summer for that reason. Uh, a couple of reasons, wisdom teeth being the main part of it, but also our reconstructive jaw surgeries are, are mostly done on teenagers, and it's mostly in the summertime. So we're getting geared up for a busy summer, and we're excited, and we're ready to see all these people and take good care of them. Why so much uh, reconstruction of uh, for oral sur uh, jaw surgery? Why does that happen? Absolutely. Well, it's just timing, planning. Uh, these are bigger surgeries, hospital cases. Dr. Wallander does a great job of that, and they usually take two to three weeks to really kind of get back uh, get their feet back under them, and it takes about a month to fully recover. So we'll do these start at the beginning of the summer, and we'll do them throughout the summer, and that just gives kids a chance to uh, recover without, you know, fully interrupting their busy summer schedule, their, certainly their school schedule. So it's going to be a busy summer, but we're excited, and we're loaded up and ready to go. Well, as you know, I'm very thankful for what you did for me and my dental implants and how personable and professional your staff is. For those who would like to make an appointment, you don't need a referral. What do they need to do? No, they no referral. Just have the desire to have the best oral surgery care on the Gulf Coast. Uh, and for the record, we're still doing all procedures this summer. We're just kind of getting geared up for a busy summer season of third molars. But implants, trauma, infections, uh, pathology, whatever the problem, give us a call, 251-471-3381, and we're on the web at mobileoilsurgery.com. Appreciate it very much and look forward to having you back in the fall with us. Thanks, Dr. Malenix. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate what y'all do for the sports community. Have a great week. You bet. If there was ever such a title as Mr. McGill Toolin, he's here right now. <laughs> Bill Griffin, he is he is the school. I mean, I don't know. Do you have a name on a building yet, Bill? Or oh no, no names on a building. I did have an assistant coach years ago because it was just talking about you know alumni and things like that. And he goes, "You just know everybody. You, you're like the mayor of of McGill." Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. How long have you been here now? I've been here uh, 30, thirty. This is my thirty fourth year uh, at McGill as a teacher, of course. And then I had the four years uh, as a student. Did you do well academically? Um, I, I passed. I never. Yeah, I, was say, I, ne he I never. He I never went, I never went to summer school. Yeah. I took the ACT once, and it got me into college. So. Uh, Lee, that Lee, was it. D stands for diploma, man. Come yeah, on. Yeah. By the way, I think it's sweet that you and your 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 son have a chance here to 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 reminisce and. <laughs> Matt. Matt. Yeah. How's it feel to be here with Dad? I know. My God. <laughs> I'll take a picture, put it in the app, and you guys not tell me that these guys aren't related right here. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Look at this. I mean, Dad, look at this. This is great. Fantastic. And with all his, with all Matt's name changes, I've never heard Griffin added to that. Well, we can add that one. That's we'll right. add that one in there. Why not? So tell us about the spring sports program. How did it go? 
Not you, Matt. Bill. Uh, we're, we're holding our own. Uh, you know, a couple sports were a little rough this year um, and didn't do as well, but uh, we're still alive. We still got three uh, sports that are still playing. A couple of sports ended because the championship's over. Tennis, uh, our girls ended up fifth in, in the state. In, I mean, excuse yeah, our girls ended up uh, fifth in the state. Um, and their season is over because their their championship's over. But uh, we have uh, uh, track and field will end up today. They're down at Gulf Shores. Um, I believe after the first day, our boys were uh, third in the state in outdoor. Of course, the uh, boys won indoor just a few months ago. But we were 6A in indoor and we're 7A in outdoor track because of the, the competitive balance and the number of points accumulated. And then our girls' soccer team, as you know, will um, be playing in the quarterfinals against uh, Fairhope uh, tonight. What time's that game tonight? 6 o'clock. And that's played at, right here? At the lip. Oh, good. All mm-hmm. right, good enough. Base, what happened with baseball this year? I, I lost track of uh, Tim Becker's team. Uh, w- we didn't qualify for the uh, to, for the state this year. Once again, uh, a, a very tough uh, region that we were in with Baldwin County, Spanish Fort, and um, Robertsdale. And Sarah Land. No, Sarah Land was in the other. Uh, I, I, I only mention that because they, they last night had quite a series, the yeah. best two out of three. Right. They, they split, so they play that third game tonight. What about softball? Softball had a rough year. Um, and uh, they, they didn't qualify for, uh, well, they didn't qual- make it out of the area tournament. And usually you're pretty good in golf, aren't you? Yeah, our boys golf, uh, uh, they advanced sub-states uh, next week, and that's in uh, Prattville, so they'll be playing uh, uh, next week in Prattville. So, Bill, what does an athletic director do, one of your statue, one, the mayor of McGill? What, what do you do? What, what or what I don't do? you do? I do. I mean, Blake Stein's under the impression that he runs things around here. Clearly, that's not right. Well, uh, I don't know. You talk to him. He's got a big old name tag. He's got all the things he's ever done at McGill. Right, Like right. he's still doing all those right. things. But I uh, know just the day-to-day um, things that go on. Um, you know, we, every time we have a game, there's there's a number of things that have to uh, happen. You got you got gatekeepers. You got administration. You got security. Um you know, dealing with all that, you got to make sure all those games are on the schedule. You know, we got, you know, um, you know, make sure that the GoFan uh, digital apps up and working, and you know, all those, all those things that uh, happen day to day. And then you have all the things that happen um, that uh, you weren't expecting, phone calls and. So what what's the next step in the evolution of high school athletics? What do you see coming down the road, right? So you mentioned GoFan. Like, everybody went digital during COVID. That's kind of the thing now across the state. Wherever you go, everything is digital. You know, transferring is is just off the charts. Like, that's obviously a trend now. What what, what do you see coming down the road in high school athletics? Well, you, you, and you do have transferring in high school. Yeah. And, and that's the one thing that COVID did. It, it kind of created a, a – a transfer portal without it being a transfer portal because parents can now a lot work from home so they can work from anywhere and they move to whatever district they want their child playing in um you know in in the future i think you're going to see some nil stuff in, in high school many yeah. states already have it and uh, i just that's not a good thing for sports yeah, we've had other coaches tell us that, that it's coming. Yeah. I don't know whether it's sooner or later, but it's coming. It will come. Um, hopefully it will be later. 
Well, you're that'll be hang. the next. That'll be the next athletic director. That's right. I was going to say you're going to hang around until at least <laughs> nil. Uh, I will. I, I hopefully, hopefully it will. Like I said, it will come later where I will not be a part of that. So. Well, what's the, what? You've been doing this a long time. What was the biggest? I don't know if surprise is the right word, but what was the biggest change in high school athletics uh, since you've been an administrator in in McGill? Uh, public relations and social media. Really. Mm-hmm. And, and and promoting. Promoting your program, um, building facilities, uh, and, and how important athletics has has become. Um, I, I've been the AD at McGill since 2010. Before that, I was the assistant AD and did uh, eligibility. But um, yeah, that's 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 been a huge uh, change in, in sports. Thank you for stopping by. I know it's a busy day. You got to run off and, and do AD type thing. Actually, you're doing dad things today. Yeah, yeah. My uh, middle son's uh, uh, graduating with his master's today, and he was in COVID. So when he got his undergraduate, there, there was no graduation. So uh, we said we're, we're definitely. Where is he graduating from? He's he's graduating from Lipscomb University in uh, Nashville. You going up? Yes. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah. Well, thank you for stopping by, man. We appreciate it. Thanks Thank, for having us, as yeah. always. Thank, thank y'all for being here. I'm sure Blake will hold down the fort today while you're gone. You got him coming on after me, or uh, uh, much later? Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah. Like we we got him scheduled for I think 9:03. Is that what it is, Lee? I think so. Yeah. 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 Or 7:30, which whichever one. Wait, I scheduled time for 7:30. I told him 9:15. Yeah. Every, every time I, I get him, we always would get him to come on first, and he would always complain about that. So. Yeah. Well, we got to work. Got to make up. Blake happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. That pitcher's for you, man. All right. Hour right. uh, number one is in the books. Thank you, Coach. We really do appreciate you stopping by. Hour number two, uh, we're going to talk with Blake Stein about this Alabama baseball thing. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with Drew Bentley. His team is in Gulf Shores for the track uh, state championships. Uh, we'll also talk some soccer. Hour number three, Mike Rodak will be along. He's been covering this Alabama baseball story. We'll get the latest on him. And McGill alum Barry Dunning Jr. will join us uh, at 8.30 to reminisce a little bit. We'll talk about his current situation. He is transferring. He's in the portal. Uh, he is leaving Arkansas. We'll see if we can get any information out of him. Uh, in the meantime, continue with your comments in the app. We'll get back to this Alabama baseball story. It's really uh, the biggest story, not only in the state, Lee, but in the country. Uh, and, you know, and we knew at some point when they started legalizing sports gambling that one of these issues was going to pop up, especially when it, when it comes to college sports. Yeah, but I never thought it would hit baseball. I just didn't. I, I just never had the, uh, the inclination that people were betting on baseball games in college because – I would say it takes uh, quite a backseat to college football and college basketball. You just don't hear about it or think about it. Uh, maybe in the College World Series, maybe when they get to that point, but certainly not during the regular season. And it was a bombshell when it hit yesterday because, like you said, it hit. It became a nationwide story, and it's not done yet. No, 75% of college baseball bets, the action takes place during the College World Series. Think about that. Translation is nobody bets on college baseball regular season games. I mean, they may bet a soft drink here and there, but nothing like what's going on now. So are we really that surprised that it got flagged? And then with the large bet, by the way, we found out what a large bet in college baseball constitutes. We'll share that with you when we come back. So Dr. Chris Ramonek's championship drive. We're at McGill. Stay with us right here on the sports station. 
is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Hey, 704 and hour number two. Thanks for making us part of your morning. It's our final Dr. Chris Monick's Championship Drive Edition. Mark, I'm Lee Shervanian in Air Sports One. We're on the campus of McGill Tool and Catholic High School. Plenty of headlines to get to. Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon fired yesterday following a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity on the Crimson Tides game against LSU six days ago in which they lost. Alabama hosting Vanderbilt last night. Interim coach James Jackson took over, and they beat the uh, Vandy you know, Commodores 11-2. to It's like that scene in, in Wedding Crashers when Will Ferrell's sitting there talking about the hang gliding accident. He's like, I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm flying, I'm dead. What an idiot, right? How do you, as a coach, put yourself in that situation, right? By the way, we got a definition of, of, of what a large bet is in terms of college baseball. In football, in college football in the NFL, I was told by an industry, industry insider I talked to yesterday, six figures. You're looking at a six-figure bet is not uncommon in college football, big-time college football or the NFL. In college baseball, what's considered a big bet, five grand, which yeah. is a big bet to you and me, a huge yeah. bet, right? But I in the grand scheme of betting, it's it's pennies. I thought it was just like a pizza. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you pizza. Uh, Bayshore Christian is starting up a football program. Phil Lazenby will be the head coach. They'll start with a JV program in uh, two years. Uh, the NBA, the Warriors, even their series with the Lakers winning big yesterday. And if you're betting, if you're betting on the Kentucky Derby, I suggest you don't bet for Continue are also Lord Miles or the third horse that's been scratched. Practical move. They've all been scratched. It's been a dreadful week at Churchill Downs. Four horses have died. The investigation continues. All right, on a happier note, uh, Drew Bentley is the track coach, and he's down at Gulf Shores because that's where the state meet is. Drew, welcome to the show this morning. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm just driving to Gulf Shores. What were some of the highlights yesterday, if you could fill us in, without going through every event, some of the things that happened yesterday, I know a lot of it was qualifying to get people ready for the sure. uh, finals on uh, on Saturday. I know the 100 meter has taken a, a lot of talk down there. Is there something else, uh, some of the other events? Well, uh, you know, it's like the state meets a three-day meet. So when you're there, it feels, it feels kind of slow. Um, yesterday, they, we had the 7A boys pole vault yesterday morning. Um, we finished, uh, we had Brooks Gibson get 14-6 for fourth place, and then Heath Wiggum jumped 14 for fifth place. And then um, uh, we had, oh, the boys' 7A long jump was also yesterday. We had uh, Shamar Welch, he finished uh, fifth overall with 22-3. Um, but, uh, you know, like the, uh, the, the, the being spread out for three days, it's, uh, there's a lot of downtime. Drew, what about down the road, perhaps uh, an athlete or two or three winning a, a state title? Uh, who, if, if that happens, who would that be for McGill Tulin? It's possible. It's um, we're, like today with the prelims today, we have the hurdle prelims today. Um, obviously, we have Anthony Eager uh, debuting with the, uh, the high hurdle prelims today. He has a chance 
um, to maybe uh, to medal or even win uh, the high hurdles, the 300 hurdles, or the triple jump, um, which are, you know, two of those are today, one's tomorrow. Um, Drew, but, but that's real. yeah, that's really the, the, the our favorite to try to maybe bring home a, a gold. Drew Bentley is the McGill Tulane track coach. He joins us here on WNSP. I, you guys won indoor uh, just a few months ago, but how different is it? How much bigger of a challenge is it to kind of capture that state championship in outdoor? <laughs> well, now that they relegated us up to 7A, yeah. um, you know, it's it's you know it's it's a numbers game when it gets to this level track and field. The 7A division is kind of like the super heavyweight division of track and field, and all the other divisions, 6A and down. You know, the schools that are in those divisions, you know, they never have to go up against another school that's twice as big as they are. You know, they're all within a numbers range, but in 7A. There is no limit. There's no uh, there's no top end on those populations. So both the schools that we compete against have freshman classes that are bigger than our whole school. Well, ta- tell me, you mentioned one of them already, but uh, thanks to Beef O'Brady's, we have Student Athletes of the Week. And in uh, men's track, obviously Heath Wiggum, a guy that you've mentioned, and, and on the women's side, it's Anna a- Adams. If you could talk about both of those uh, comp- uh, competitors for us. Sure. Um, we'll start with Anna. Anna's, uh, she is a Samford commit. Um, you know, she was a, uh, you know, undefeated locally in cross country. And then, uh, you know, she started running tr- uh, track last year. And then this year, she's just had these phenomenal uh, improvements in the mile and the two mile and the 800. And uh, running, she's running all the hard races all on the same day. You know, she's run a 505 mile this year. She's run 11, under 1130 in the two mile. She's run 221, uh, I think, in the 800 already. Um, and she'll be competing this weekend in all three of those, plus in, uh, a leg on the 4 8 relay. And then uh, Heath Wiggum, uh, he is uh, going to be running next year at South Alabama. He'll be a Jaguar like myself, and he'll be doing the decathlon next year. And uh, at the state meet, he's competing. In the, he, he got fifth in the pole vault yesterday, but he's also competing in both the 110 hurdles and the 300 hurdles uh, coming up today and tomorrow. And, uh, then, and then 10 days from now, he'll be doing the state decathlon where he should be in the top five yeah so he and eager placed top 10 last year if i'm not mistaken and uh there was a lot of graduation attrition in that category so i know you got high hopes for that event you know you're exactly right uh i would say the returning uh the returning incumbent uh is actually hurt right now so uh you know it, it opens up the door for maybe one of these mcgill athletes that we have uh that are pretty seasoned to, to maybe get it in the top five or even win the thing and you know anthony Anthony was runner-up last year, um, and but Heath has really improved across the board in all of, all of his events. So we're expecting huge things. Well, if he if he shows up with gel in his hair and spikes, you know he's a serious competitor. Uh, I'll just I'll just throw that out there, so you know it's going to get real. Hey, man, we really appreciate the time. Congratulations to 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 your guys and gals, and we wish them the best of luck moving forward. We'll be in touch, man. Enjoy golf shorts. All right, appreciate it. God bless. That's uh, Drew Bentley, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, McGill Tool and Track Coach here on WNSP. You know, I started out the, I started out the uh, sportscast opening kickoff with uh, kind of the headline like, "This has not been a good start to the weekend." Brad Bohannon, the trainer 
for one of the horses that's been scratched, Safi Joseph Jr. He's been suspended at Churchill Downs. Two of the horses that died were on his watch. Also mentioned Mike Butenholzer, the best record in the NBA this year, regular season, fired by the Bucks. And these two University of Southern Cal students yeah. charged with stealing NFL jerseys that were designed for the first-round draft picks. Now get this. One of them's a freshman, uh, Jude Lacanius. The other... 41-year-old Eric Lampkins, a student at Southern Cal, grad student and a U.S. Army veteran, and they're out on bond. Yeah. Uh, so basically they were at the draft or somewhere wherever those jerseys were, the ones that the commission likes to hold up and get the picture. Yeah, someone jacked them. Someone stole them, and it was a 41-year-old Military vet. I did a double take when I saw the age. I thought it was a misprint, maybe 21-year-old, because they said, you know, two Southern Cal students. Well, 41's a bit old to be a re an undergraduate unless you've had a difficult hey, time. If, if you're chasing your dreams, you're, you're chasing well, your dreams. I don't have a problem with them going back to school. It's a U.S. Army event, but come on now. So, and each of these jerseys valued at $350. They stole one Cowboys, Vikings, and who did I say the other one? Oh, 49ers. Yeah. Well... Might have been easier just to pay the 150 bucks online and gotten a replica, I think but it would have been. whatever. I think it would have been. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about uh, the baseball stuff coming up. Blake Stein's going to join us. We'll get his take on this whole Alabama thing. And then at 8 o'clock, Mike Rodak. But let's do this. Let's get you a scoreboard traffic and weather now. We'll come back. We'll catch up with Alec Naiman and talk some women's soccer with uh, Coach Flores and her players next. From McGill Tulin, it's the Dr. Chris Romanex Championship Drive right here on the sports station WNSP. This is Joe Espada, bench coach of the Houston Astros, and you're listening to WNFT. Dr. Chris Ramonek's championship drive. Mark Heim, Lee Trevanian, and Air Sports One. We're on the campus of McGill Tulin Catholic High School. And the guy that put McGill Tulin on the map is Alex <laughs> Naiman. He's on with us right now at Naiman's Catering. Good morning, Alec. What's uh, what's cooking? <laughs> I don't know about putting McGill on the map, man. I tell you, <laughs> I was lucky to graduate. <laughs> no, guys, uh, happy, happy weekend to you guys. And of course, we got Mother's Day coming up next weekend. We're going to do some chocolate-covered berries, things like that, if you want to treat Mama to something really sweet. And, of course, lots of teacher appreciations going on this month and graduations, a kind of exciting time of the year for us and all that kind of good stuff. So, it, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I love my yellow jackets now. It's my alma mater. And, uh, boy, they put out some great athletes and some great uh, Great teams all the way around all the sports, uh, all the different sports there. So if you need something from us and you want to plan something in the future, a little cookout, a family reunion or something this summer, you give us a call at 473-3900. Look us up on the web at namenscatering.com. Of course, give us a like on Facebook because we like that kind of stuff. And my gag's on the road. They've had a good good month of April. And, and going into May here, we, we got a chance to finish really strong. So... My Jags are looking good. I'll give you a go Jags, but I really want to give you a go yellow jacket because that's my favorite. Okay, how about that? Yeah, you know, hey, Alec, you know, we were over here, and you know what? I got to tell you, 
They got your plaque in the men's room still. <laughs> oh, don't, don't talk about that. I tried to get that raised or painted over, but they didn't do it. <laughs> well, at least you don't owe any, owe any money for library books, I don't think so. That, that's a good thing, too. <laughs> Hey, Alex, appreciate you coming aboard. I really do. You take care and have a wonderful weekend. We'll check in with you next week, all right? Thank you, Alex. Y'all have a great one, guys, and thank you. He mentioned the Jags. They're at Southern Miss for three games. But we're at McGill, and he said go Yellow Jackets, and that's the uh, send-off for uh, Cheryl Flores, the uh, soccer coach, because they're playing this afternoon uh, later today against Fairhope, a team that you've defeated twice this year, Cheryl. Does that put you in good stead as you host the Pirates later today? Uh, the girls are prepared, they're confident, um, but it's playoff season, whole different season, anything can happen. I understand that, and I know they always say playing a team a third time, but what's been the story of the first two games between McGill and Fairhope? Well, you know, we went 6A for a couple of seasons, and um, moving back to 7A, we are now, I guess, what you want to call rivals fighting for that number one two spot so going into the game we knew it was going to be a tough battle Fairhope always put out a good team uh, they're typically well coached uh, they have the solid backing of the Fairhope community so we knew we were going to be up against it going to their place first uh, went to sudden death penalties defeated them and then uh, welcomed them at the lip where we won 4-0 what's the personality of this team uh, the Yellow Jackets this year the personality that's an interesting one um, they're a fun group they're hardworking, they're dedicated, they're committed to uh, putting themselves back on the map after two seasons where things haven't quite gone our way. Uh, well, Beef O'Brady is once again sponsoring Student Athletes of the Week. Tell us about uh, Riley Kate here. Riley Kate Naiman is a junior. She is one of our uh, captains. She's the heart and soul of her midfield. Everything we have goes through her. Her passing ability, her soccer IQ is some of the best we've ever had come through the program. Um, without RK, we you know, don't have a lot of um, opportunities to go forward uh, because of the vision and the, and the balls that she's able to play. So Riley, Riley's sitting here right here. So tell us, uh, you, you got to be excited about tonight and what uh, what the future could potentially hold after tonight. Oh yeah. Talk a little bit about what it's like to play Fairhope a third time. Um, I mean, going into it, we're definitely prepared. Beating them twice already. First one was a little harder than the second one, but I think at the lip with a lot of fans out, we'll we'll be fine. Cheryl said some really nice things about you, but during the course of a game, does she also tell you really nice things about your play? Sometimes. <laughs> Depends on the scoreline. <laughs> what did she, she say? You're the heart and soul of midfield? What does that mean? I mean, being in the middle of the field, defense plays it to me. I play it up top, score goals from there. What's the worst thing she's ever told you? Is it, is that, is that, can you air that on her? I don't or, know or do you want to play tonight? You want to play tonight, right? Okay, we'll, 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 hand, we'll keep that to ourselves. What's, uh, how rewarding has the season been, though? Um, it's been rewarding. I mean, we started off kind of rough, but got our line up now, going strong. Have you ever had a yellow flag? Card. Yeah, yellow card. One this season. That's One? All. What happened? Just a little girl a little bit. Just some miscommunication between you guys and the officials? Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. We wish you the best of luck. Coach, 
Tell us about the Hulk over here, Natalie Burt. Natalie Burt. Where do we start with Natalie Burt? Uh, the beginning of the season, like RK said, we were trying to find ourselves, establish our living. Uh, Natalie was always in that living. Uh, she did start in the midfield, the heart and soul, so we call that the heart of the game. Um, and she was fantastic there, but we saw potential in her and going forward and scoring goals. And since putting her up there, the rest is history. She's on a roll. So, Natalie, how many teams have you outscored by yourself? Is, is, is Baker the first, or does that happen a lot? Uh, I think Baker is the first. So, uh, it, Coach, at what point, was it the second or third goal where you just said, you know what, just get it to Natalie and everybody get out the way? Yeah, pretty much. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe the third. So, Have you ever had a, a goal just by heading it in? Yes, sir. What does that feel like? Uh, it feels very exciting. You and don't get a headache or anything like that? Yes, sir. How many of those have you had, though? That's that's cool, I think, when a soccer player gets up there and out jumps everybody and heads it in. I think I've had three this season. Yeah, Fairholt, Baker, and in the tournament. That's fantastic. It? Scissors kick yet? Have you done the scissors? <laughs> yes, sir. You have? I do the scissors as like part of my move to beat the uh, players. So why is it, I've seen you guys play, why is it that you're so cool, calm, and collect now with a grin on your face, but you literally, you literally hulk out in the middle of a game? What is that? Like, I, if you all see Natalie Burke coming down the street, get on the other side of the street if she's in game mode. Um, I think that it's just like the energy and um, the will to want to win that makes me a different person in the game. For those that don't know, Natalie scored uh, four goals against Baker as McGill advanced. Uh, all four goals, I might add. So it's probably just really good coaching, though, right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so what's the plan for today? What time's the game start, and uh, how can people get out there and watch y'all, Coach? The game kicks off at 6. Get out there early. We're hoping for a good crowd. Uh, we are having a blackout. First 25 students get some Raising Cane's uh, swag and combo meals. So kids, get out there, support us, we need your help. Um, yeah, and we're looking for local communities. We've got a couple of alumni coming back from the state championship team uh, to rally these girls on. Okay, and it's just students, right? Because Bill was in here earlier in black shorts and he looked like he was headed out to lip. But you know, I think he's going to put on a wig and act like a kid, maybe a backpack, and well, get his uh, raisin canes. I was suggesting he pr he's probably the last guy that needs raisin canes. He and his, <laughs> and his son, Matt McCoy, over here. Uh, thank you guys very much for stopping by. We wish you the best of luck, uh, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thank, thank you for you. having All us. All right, absolutely. That's Cheryl Flores and some of her players from McGill Tool and Women's soccer team playing tonight at the lip for a shot at the final four when we come back history was made here in the mobile baldwin county area we'll tell you all about that and blake stein i think we're contractually obligated to talk to him but we don't have to listen all that's coming up next right here on the sports station wnsp and wnsp.com stay with us the Tigers in the opening inning. Green and now Baez. And it's 2-0 to 2.
right, 7.32, thanks for hanging with us on this uh, Dr. Christopher Monex Championship Drive edition of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, we're in Air Sports 1 on the campus of McGill Toulon Catholic High School. All right, the audio, of course, was a second home run given by Verlander in the first inning, and it stood Detroit beat Verlander in the Mets. It was his first start as a New York Met, 2-0 Tigers. Many, many thanks to our sponsors for our coverage here at uh, McGill Toulon, the Championship Drive, James Donaghy Contractors, Leaf, uh, Bedsel, and Adams, their counters. Uh, McGill Tulin, appreciate them coming aboard. Shipyard Supply, Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. We'll talk to David on Tuesdays. You can hear him all the time at 6.50 and also on LNS Air Conditioning. Mark, I'm going to let you introduce our first guest. Uh, we've talked about it in studio. It's quite an honor. Yeah, history was made here recently. Uh, senior Mc uh, here at McGill, Aiden Janowski has signed a scholarship to play volleyball at Life University. It's the first of its kind here in the city, and he now joins us here on WNSP. Good morning, sir. Morning. So uh, take us through how this happens, because as most people know, there are no volleyball high school teams for boys in this city. How, how, did, you, how did you get a scholarship to Life University? Um, I got a scholarship because we play on a club team out of Fairhope, so I just have played for I think since fifth grade. So that's really the main reason they've helped me through all of it. So obviously, how many how many how many guys play volleyball in this area? Uh, I mean, is it pretty uh, popular? It's gaining popularity. Our club has twelve, I think, probably a little more. So it's getting pop more popular. And there are not a whole lot of tournaments, in, none that I know of, in Mobile. So you guys have to do a lot of traveling. Where have you traveled and played? Uh, the beginning of the season, we went to Chicago. And then we went to Austin, Pigeon Forge, Baton Rouge. So we travel a lot. So obviously volleyball is huge in your family. Uh, you know, your dad did a little coaching, and I use quotation marks there. But Ashlyn, your sister, plays at Huntington. It, you've always just had a, kind of had a love for volleyball. Yes, sir. What? How did? How did you know, or when did you know that maybe this could be something that comes along in your future? That volleyball was a thing for you. I think I started realizing that I could play in college probably around freshman year, sophomore year, when we started traveling a lot more. There are many schools that I'm aware of that have. Uh, scholarships for male athletes in volleyball, Aiden. What attracted you to life or, ver or vice versa? Uh, really just the location and the campus is beautiful, but the location because it's the closest school that I know of to Mobile. Let me tell you this, they have a great town square. You're really going to laugh. I don't know if you've been down there yet. The town square at Marietta picked a good one there. Life, of course, is in, uh, let's see, SSAC, I think. They yes, play. Sir. Do all of the schools, I, I did basketball in that conference, but do all of the schools have a, a, a boys or men volleyball team? A few of them do. So did you start out at any other sport before you gravitated to volleyball? I did. I played football for Coach Mark. Oh no! And you still are no. That's the thing. Everybody I coached, everybody I coached, signed a scholarship in a different sport. So clearly, Mark, don't feel bad. Every intern I had went into a different uh, endeavor than broadcasting. Great. <laughs> Nobody stayed. That's in what I want to hear. Me and Shervanian two peas in a pod. Really? Here. Exactly. That's great stuff. So, did you, do you play beach volleyball too? I do. Yes, sir. Where? Uh, where? When? Um, just all the juniors tournaments in Gulf Shores and along the beach. I play in all those. I play in some adult tournaments with my dad. Play in some in Destin, some in Gulf Shores. You so, so you carry him, right? Yeah. You have to carry him. Do you keep track of your kills? I don't. 
I probably should. <laughs> so when do you report? When when do you head up to uh, to life? Uh, they don't start till September. Okay. Well, congratulations. It's very cool. The fact that no other uh, athlete has been able to get a volleyball scholarship. Hopefully this will be the first of many more to come. So we yes, wish sir. you the best of luck. Are you still playing with your club team? Yes, how, how long does that go? Uh, we play, we go to Nationals in July. And I think that's our last turn. Where's Nationals? Uh, we're going to Orlando. Look at you. Big time. Hey, congratulations. Very Thank cool. You. Tell everybody hello for us. Yes, and uh, get to class. I know you got that tough one to start. That's 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 uh, almost that's Aiden Janowski, ladies and gentlemen. Congratulations. Uh, speaking of stories that are uh, making headlines, uh, Blake Stein joins us to talk about the Alabama baseball situation. The, Blake, first of all, thank you for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, it, we're contractually obligated. Uh, what, as a baseball guy, what is what's the first reaction when you see a headline that that links any level of baseball to gambling? Well, I mean it. it it just goes to show with, and especially in college athletics now with NILs and those kids having um, access to more money and things like that, uh, you know, is this going to become more prevalent with more sports books throughout the country and everything else? And so, um, you know, for the for the firing process to take place immediately, it must have been some pretty uh, hard evidence that, that he had some insider information or was passing something along to some sports books. And, um, you know, college baseball is not one that's heavily betted, so if a huge bet goes on, uh, I'm sure red flags go up everywhere. I was just curious, like when you were at Spring Hill uh, pitching and all that, you know, if, if somebody bet, wouldn't it be like a, a pizza here or there or something like that? I mean, did you ever hear of anybody even laying down, even your fellow students, not the ball players, but your fellow students laying down a buck or two? Uh, not really. I mean, it, I never heard anything like that. Um, and now, granted, small NAIA baseball at Spring Hill, but um, even you never heard that in college baseball. It just wasn't a betting sport. It wasn't that sort of thing. And so it, it really is not a uh, a big time uh, sports book thing to go and bet on college baseball. So um, when that happened, it, it it was pretty obvious to me that something was going on. Yeah, and I mean, let's be pretty blunt about this. I mean, Bohannon's just it was it. I mean, you just you can't get away with it. I mean, no. it's it's such a bonehead move. In, in all the, in, not that I'm an expert, Blake, but there, I gotta believe there's a hundred different ways to do this. A lot <laughs> less. Uh, well, and it's it's the NCAA takes pride in, in trying to educate their coaches and their their athletes and everything about being approached by betters or anything else like that. And so he knew exactly uh, what was going on. And so for him to do that, um, you know, I think there's a whole lot more to the story that we don't know yet, which will come out, but. Uh, it makes you wonder if he's if he's gotten in with the wrong people or or you know what was going on for him to 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 give information for somebody to bet on that game. Yeah, you know, that's what I started to thinking about. Is this just a w isolated deal or is this widespread? Does this happen at other campuses? Because I've never heard of college betting in baseball. And you know, I mean, you know, maybe the only time I've heard that maybe people bet is when they get to the college World Series. And and I was uh, listening to an article this morning, and even then, it's not hi highly bet. Yeah, uh, I mean. You go to college football, NFL football, basketball, you know, March Madness, that sort of thing. There's all kinds of betting going on with that. Um, but never, even in the College World Series, is there much uh, going on as far as uh, as betting on baseball. Yeah, so I was told that 75% of all betting on college baseball takes place during the College World Series, right. which tells you there's hardly any going on during the regular season. And a large bet, which has been widely reported, 
uh, in in college baseball is maybe five grand. That would raise a flag, right. but that's not what raised the flag here. In major college football, NFL, you're talking six-figure bets are the norm. Absolutely. But with something like five grand, that's what I'm saying. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would any coach put himself in a position like this? For the where the payout is is minimal, right? And I think that, and that's why I think there's a lot more to the story to to, to hear and what's going on. And, yes. Um, but for them to start the process of firing him, I mean, they had enough to, Clear. to go ahead and terminate him. So um, there's something there, uh, and I think in the next few weeks we'll probably hear a lot more about it. I wanted to ask you about going to Major League Baseball. You're familiar with the uh, Scherzer deal with the sticky fingers. Right. Did you hear about this one yesterday with the Ray Zach Elflin? He's, he's like 4-0 now. He was forced to remove his wedding ring during the game and said that, quote, the umpires were going to toss me out if I didn't remove my wedding ring. Now, over the years, I'm sure there's been a lot of ballplayers that wear their wedding ring. I've never heard of something like this. Well, and, and there, a lot of guys wear it, and even if they're a left-handed pitcher, they would take the, the wedding ring off their hand and put it on their right hand and just keep it in their glove and, and wear it. Um, and I, I knew that was going on all the time, but uh, I never really saw somebody pitch, a left-hander pitch with it on their hand, or a right-hander have a ring on their hand. So I can understand if it was on their pitching hand to have to remove it, but if it was in their glove, I think that that's... I think he's a righty. I think he's a right-handed right. pitcher. So, so I, don't, I don't understand. I, I've, I've seen that for years as far as... And it's not like you've got a, a sharp edge on your ring that you're trying to... You know, scuff the ball. I mean, it's it's a it's a wedding ring. So I think he described his ring as a rubber. Yeah, a rubber ring. And so, you know, and, and it's like Scherzer, and he's absolutely right in saying that if you take enough rosin, you've got sweat, and you're rubbing it together, it's going to be sticky. It is. It's the whole purpose of it. And so, if 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 that's illegal for pitchers to use, then they should take away pine tar from the hitters. And so, that's a sticky substance that allows them to grab the bat better. Why are they getting all over our pitchers for using rosin? Well, so you know, we've talked we talked about this when it happened with the rosin and the sweat. Like it, that those that combination isn't new to baseball. Like why all, why all of a sudden is it too sticky? Like I don't I don't understand. To me, I don't feel like we've got th that full story. Well, and uh, I also understand that he went in the back and took alcohol and took it off his right. hands in front of a major league representative right and then went back out and just used the rosin that was on the ground and then they still ejected him yeah. so if they have to understand that that's the purpose of rosin is that it gives you a better grip on the ball right. um, and in order to kind of I guess you would say activate it you need water or sweat to help for it to get sticky so don't batters relish the idea of facing somebody with sticky fingers so they at least the ball is controllable a little I, bit? I think a lot of hitters would agree with they would much rather somebody be able to grip the ball and have control. Yeah, and that's so. what I've heard also. Uh, first month of the season is in the books with these brand new rules. How, do you, how did you view it? Um, I only like the one rule. Um, I do like the pitch clock. Um, they may be able to add some time. I think they could add three or four seconds to it. Um, but that's the only rule that I like. I still hate the fact that they ban the shift, the bigger bases, the only picking off to uh, first base twice. Um, the, those I, d I don't like as much. Um, but I do like the pitch clock. I, I just don't like the um, the other rules that they've implemented. You know, they, and, and a lot of small market teams are actually off to a decent start, namely the Pittsburgh Pirates. Right. Uh, I don't know if that's going to last at all because I always felt that was a team that tanked even as the season started, but they're off to a good start. Has then, as, and then like Tampa, well, they're good anyway. Right. But to get off to the start they've had, how do you figure? Uh, Small just, market, very low budget, 
Yeah, but they just they they've got the right pieces in place. They've got the the defense, the starting pitching, the timely hitting, um, and and so when you when you have that, it's just. Uh, it, it produces good things, and so a lot of other teams may be missing one piece or here or there, and, and so it struggles a little bit, but right now they seem to have a pretty complete team. I may throw in the Baltimore Orioles, too. They're off to a great start. Right. In fact, they play Atlanta tonight, three, I guess a three-game series, but they're like 21-10 and 10 this year. Yeah, it's and, and that's why, you know, in a 162-game season, it's um, it's good to get off that start, but it's, that, it's how you finish, and, and, and we'll see how those teams do. Blake, uh, there seems to be some uh, confusion with some folks that were in Air Sports One earlier wanting to know exactly what it is you do here at McGill Tulin on a daily basis. Well, I have that same confusion because I heard you referred to as coach, and I have not, uh, I mean, that, that term was thrown out really loosely with Coach Mark this morning. And yeah. so um, I, I, you know, I, I discipline students, um, I correct behavior. Right. Um, I adjust it's kind of the attendance. blind leading the blind a little bit, isn't it? What you mean, the blind leading the blind? I'm just saying I, that if, if you're were the one somehow <laughs> correcting behavior. That's right. I mean, it, if it weren't for the Heim kids, I wouldn't have a job. And so, you know, <laughs> th those kids stay in trouble all the time in my office, and so they, they keep me employed, and I, and I want to thank you for that. Well, it, we're, we're here to help in any way possible. <laughs> uh, I know you got to run. you got actual work to do, so we appreciate you stopping by and, uh, and hanging with us for a little bit. Well, thanks for having me, and uh, we appreciate everything you all do for sports. All right, so when we come back, we'll wrap up hour number two. I've uh, got a special guest, I think, in here. Uh, we'll share that with you as well. Hour number three. Uh, will be uh, Mike Rodak, my colleague at AL.com, is going to talk about this Alabama story. And Barry Dunning, a junior, set to join us at 8.30. Um, he's in the transfer portal. We'll see what information we can glean off of him. Wrapping up, hour number two next, right here on the sports station, WNSP. My name is Robert Brazil. I'm from the class of 2018 Pro Football Hall of Fame. You're listening to WNSP. This ball's cooked deep right field and way out of here. Three-run home run for Williamson. Bama pouring it on. All right, 7.50, wrapping up our number two of our Dr. Christopher Mullinex championship drive. Mark and Lee, we're in Air Sports One. We're on the campus of McGill Tulin Catholic High School. Tell you real quickly, if you're uh, close to the age of 65 within a year of retiring uh, and you're looking at uh, Medicare, you really need to talk to Aid Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors. He doesn't sell Medicare. He simply is there to help you understand some of the things that, that come with Medicare. Everybody's got a little bit of a different circumstance or situation. That's where he comes in. So it might be that you have VA benefits. It might be that you're still working and getting health insurance through your, through your company, and you need to balance which one or both uh, coverages you need. That's where Aiden Marks of Medicare Insurance Advisors comes in. Give him a call today, 463-0031. Uh, he's local, he's knowledgeable, and yes, he has a physical location you can go visit. So go check it out. He's on Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet, located right there in Daphne. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. Do you want to thank some of our sponsors for the uh, championship drive at McGill Tulin, Will Barnes, and the Barnes family of McDonald's restaurants, Greer's Markets and Cash Saver, uh, Beef O'Brady's at Tillman's Corner, Rich's Car Wash, 
wash and also Ward International Trucks and LNS Air Conditioning. The uh, audio was one of the three home runs hit by Alabama. Uh, Congratulations to James Jackson. He took over as interim coach. He was a former pitching coach here at South Alabama. He was elevated to interim coach after Brad Bohannon was, I'd say, abruptly fired yesterday. You know, as uh, details were very slow and moving on the um, uh, the gambling uh, story that started last Friday. And then uh, Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, who hired, that was his first hire, was Brad Bohannon, uh, delivered the uh, news yesterday to Bohannon after the surveillance showed up that he was implicated in this uh, gambling probe. All right, so we're going to get back to that here in just uh, literally two minutes here. But I do want to make a quick uh, call and audible here. Todd Weissong, who's been great uh, throughout our sports season with us here with Beef O'Brady, has been uh, a huge sponsor and a big believer in spring sports and has uh, awarded 10 student athletes every week at every location we've been with uh, with a certificate and a free entree to his Thomas Corner uh, location. He joins us now with a special guest, Todd, because uh, we were talking about uh, sometimes good help is hard to find. Not in this case. No, no, no. I've got my best buddy here right here. Vincent Dennis is with me today. Of course, he's graduating here at McGill-Tulin. We're excited to have him as a graduate here at McGill-Tulin. He's been working with us for a couple years now, and I've known his family for a very, very long time, and I just want to make sure I got him on air this morning. So, Vincent, what's it like working for this guy? I give him a talk. It's kind of like the great time together, and it's kind of like an amazing thing I want to do. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Man, I've seen you around here. You're everywhere. You're like one of the most popular students in, in school. I am, because <laughs> <laughs> I was a mascot hill yeah. on McGill, and I, I that from my friends don't even know I was a mascot, but now everybody knows me from the mascot from the yearbook from from that, so, yeah. So do you recommend that if, if folks are looking for a job, they should come see Todd at Beef O'Brady's? Yeah, every, every day. Just come by and see him. Sound, when are you, you going to be working anytime soon? He, yeah, it's, it's today. Today you're working? Yeah. All right. So uh, does he do anything when he's there? Or you make he make you do everything. You make you make me. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations on all the success. Uh, I know you're enjoying the senior year. Uh, enjoy working with uh, Beef O'Brady's. I have no doubt, and we look forward to to having you on again soon. Yeah, same. Okay, uh, Todd, tell everybody again where they can come uh, uh, get lunch and at what time. Yeah, 10 o'clock. We'll be open here shortly kind of thing. 4419 Rangeline Road. Come see us. We'll be open until 10 o'clock. Cinco de Mayo. Come see us today. Tacos, tacos, tacos. Come ring them. Wow, how about that? LeBron will be first in line at 950. Go see Todd at 945 today and just bang on the door. Yeah. Say open the door. No doubt. Thanks, hey, guys. Again, Todd, all serious. Thank you for everything. We appreciate really do appreciate it. Thank you all. All right, uh, Lee, so here's – Here's the thing. we got some folks wanting to know what the latest details are on the Bohannon-Alabama uh, baseball situation. Um, so here's what we know at this point. There is video. We don't know exactly what's on the video. That there is video linking uh, whoever placed that bet to Bohannon. They were in communication while those bets were being made. We don't know how large the bet is. We have been told, we've talked to some folks that are in the industry, that a large bet in baseball is a lot different than a large bet in football. And I, I mean college. We're talking, when you're talking about big-time college football, we're talking six figures is, is, is uh, kind of the norm. It's not uncommon. With college baseball, a large bet 
five grand constitutes a large bet, okay? Uh, and that 75% of all college baseball betting takes place during the College World Series, which tells you that it's rare that any sports book gets college baseball action. In fact, I think FanDuel said they took one bet. There were other sports books that didn't take any. I think, I think FanDuel said it was like a $35 bet. So there are a number of different things that raise red flags. I've been told in this case it wasn't necessarily the size of the bet, although it could have been a large bet, but there were other situations. There were other things that, that, that sparked a, a, a red flag. Well, perhaps Mike Rodak, who will join us next in the 8 o'clock hour, because as we've talked to individuals, they, they feel maybe there's more to this. So far, no student athletes have been involved in this so far. And, you know, like I said, this started Monday uh, when uh, states started taking uh, no bets on Alabama baseball. And quite frankly, who would have even given any thought to this? We talked about this earlier in the week. Like, where did this come from? You know, an Alabama-LSU game last Friday, LSU won the game 8-6, to six, and all of a sudden it was taken off because of a bet that was placed at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, no less. That's where the Reds play their home games. Like, and what does that have to do with Alabama and LSU? And now here we are six days later. Later, the head coach at Alabama is fired. Uh, we haven't really dwelled on this, but it has been a real black mark on the university off the field this year, some of the things that have been going on. Oh, it's but been a terrible year, and, and we'll ask Mike, you know, at what point does this come back on Greg Byrne? Because between this, the basketball situation, uh, it uh, – it's 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 not been a stellar year. No, it's like every PR. time you breathe, you take a breath, something's going on. And I, I mean, I don't want you know. Like I say, we could just build up a resume on this. But you had the uh, senior advisor in Greg Burns' administration getting uh, arrested for domestic violence. Uh, you had a, a football player, which seems kind of mild compared to some of the other stuff going on, picked up for what marijuana in Florida, and he was grounded by Nick Saban. So they, you know, they could use a little bit of good news in this baseball story because you'd never expect anything coming out on college baseball to be a negative unless you don't win. I mean, that's the only thing you could think of because there's no such thing. People don't talk about betting in college baseball. Right. It, 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 it rarely exists, which is one of the reasons why it, it got flagged because it's such an unusual bet. Now, uh, there is a system in place that act absolutely caught this, right? And so when you see other states uh, – take Alabama off the board, that's part of the protocol. So what wound up happening was one of the operators flagged it, saw the uh, abnormality is the, is the word that they used. When they saw that abnormality, uh, they pulled it. They then communicated that to other sports books who then com uh, that took that off the board, right? They gather all the information. They send it to an enforcement-type agency, um, and in this case, it's going to be in Ohio. But absolutely, this is, this is why we talk about, I think you guys kind of understand why you, you can't bet on baseball. Or right? even be implicated, even to give any, you can't be associated with right. anybody who's putting a bet down. You, you just, it, it, you, it opens up this black hole that you will not be able to get out of. It now puts your, you, I mean, he may never coach again. I, mean, I don't see why anybody would hire him. It now. puts the coach... The team, the program, the university, potentially the conference, and, and quite frankly, the sport under this huge black cloud of uncertainty about whether or not things are on the up and up in that sport. And so everybody talks about, oh, Pete Rosie's done his time. 
No, man, a lifetime ban is a lifetime ban. Get that through your head. And this is exactly why they're so hard on gambling in baseball or other sports. We'll talk to Mike Rodak. We'll get the latest from him coming up next. Barry Dunning Jr. scheduled for 8.30 as well. It's a Dr. Chris Ramonix Championship Drive right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com the latest sports news traffic weather and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian the opening kickoff kickoff here are Mark and Lee all right, hour number three is upon us here on this Friday edition. It's our Dr. Christopher Monix Championship Drive, the final one of the season. Mark and Lee and Air Sports One were on the campus of McGill Tool and Catholic High School. Very rarely do you ever see college baseball become the big story around the nation unless you get to the College World Series and finalize a winner. But this story at Alabama has caught fire with all of these sports services, and it is right up there among the major headlines. What happened, in case you missed it and you're just joining us, Alabama baseball coach Brad Bohannon fired yesterday after a widespread investigation into suspicious betting activity in the Crimson Tides game last Friday against LSU. To add more clarity to the story, Mike Rodak, AL.com. Mike, thanks for taking time to join us. You're probably getting asked to be on a lot of interviews today. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well, yeah. Thanks for having me on. Is there any indication right now, and I know this thing has been slowly developing, any indication that others may be involved in this investigation? So right now, you know, the word is, as far as what the Associated Press and some other people reported yesterday, that uh, there's no student-athletes, there's no evidence of student-athletes being involved is kind of the wording that was pretty universally used there. And, and uh, you know, my my hunch is that it, it came, you know, from the Alabama side. Now I've reached out, you know, to the SEC and to the NCAA because ultimately those are the ones that, sort of make those decisions um, in terms of was there anybody else involved, you know, how deep does this investigation go? I've not yet heard from the NCAA on that. And that's that's really, I mean, there's two things that really loom over this. It's A, what does the NCAA do? Um, because even if there's no involvement beyond Brad Bohannon, that's still, that's certainly breaking NCAA rules, and that's something that they could punish Alabama's baseball program or perhaps even Alabama's athletic program in general for. Um, so that's something that will have to play out over time. And then beyond the, the rule aspect is, is the law. You know, there's, there's federal laws that certainly come into play uh, with um, sports gambling and people who are involved in the actual games, um, which obviously Brad Bohannon is involved in that. And, you know, the question is, was there activity here that would break a federal law, which has happened before. The FBI has investigated different college sports programs for um, betting. And, um, you know, that if there was some aspect of Brad Bohannon's decision-making as a coach that was influenced by whatever betting activity there was, then that, I think, would certainly put him in, in some legal jeopardy. 
This is certainly uncharted waters for sure for college baseball. Let me ask you something, Mike, and a question that may be difficult to answer, but you maybe have a better insight than I do. Is there any indication from what you've seen so far that perhaps, and I'm trying to be fair on this, that if, if he was linked to this guy who was betting that he inadvertently maybe was a buddy of his or somebody that maybe he was just being asked a question or two or is there any indication that he was heavily involved in this that was actually benefiting from this so we don't know as you know a matter of fact whether it was one of those two scenarios i think those are certainly the, the two most plausible outcomes but we don't know for certain which one it is in either case that is still a blatant violation of NCAA rules. It's also a blatant violation of his contract, which I've looked at. And there's one in terms of being fired for cause uh, as a head coach. There's Yes, there's one paragraph about actually placing bets on games, which you know would be part of this. Let's say this friend in Cincinnati is putting the bet in and they split the money or whatever. I think that would qualify as placing a bet. But there's also providing information to – people who are betting, um, sort of like insider trading, you know, and on a yeah. stock market standpoint. So in either case, it doesn't really matter in terms of him getting fired or any of that. It, it's, it violates his contract and it violates NCAA rule. Mike Rodak, my colleague at AL.com, he covers Alabama. He joins us here on WNSP. I think as we as more and more information comes out, I, I think we're kind of all scratching our head, right? So there's video evidence, right? So it just seems like like, what do you? I I, I kind of compared it to Wedding Crashers when Will Ferrell's sitting there talking about the hang gliding accident. He guys died. Guy died. Died. What? What an idiot! Like, what are you doing? Going to a physical location to place this bet and then getting caught on video. I mean, with with fan doing all these you know these apps you can use now, it just seems like there's such an an easier way to do that and maybe circumvent some of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know enough, you know, as a betting expert or whatever to know why one person chooses one over the other um there might have been an advantage to going to the sports book but from what i saw in ohio if you're betting at a sports book over a thousand dollars you can't be anonymous so you know that name is getting entered in there and that probably made it easy to track i mean they tracked this down within less yeah. than 36 hours so i would imagine the video evidence probably shows this person on a cell phone in, in some manner, and then it's matched with phone logs that show Bohannon's calling that person. Um, I would imagine that's kind of what nabbed him. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's 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 blatant. It's um, for someone who makes $475,000 a year, you have to wonder what he's gotten himself into. Sure. Um, if there was a monetary gain on his end to be doing because that. Because it's, yeah, it's such a small payout, right? I right. mean, relatively speaking. Yeah, I mean, it's you're betting on a favorite, um, and you're basically betting on, you know, the fact. I'm, I'm sure that the pitching change before the game had some sort of impact on it. We don't know that. Again, as like, there's not testimony we can read yet, but I would imagine that you know the pitching change is made before the game. The pitcher gets, gets scratched. Uh, the money line all of a sudden seems like it's not strong enough in, in LSU's favor, and then you assume LSU is going to win the game. You bet on LSU, but it's still. You know, the profit margin is not huge when you're betting on a on a favorite. So um, that's <laughs> it's 
it's a little bit baffling from that sense. Yeah, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense why somebody in that position would do it, but um, obviously it is, as a broader topic, something that people do have issues with, um, just you know, from an addiction standpoint. I want you to reiterate, because you did allude to it, and reiterate, so you, you were saying that Alabama could face severe penalties besides Bohannon being fired, the, the school itself, the baseball program? Yeah, so, I mean, there's, there's NCAA rules that are in place, and um, there's an infractions process, as there is with anything else, and um, it always comes down to, you know, oversight. Um, was this properly monitored? How long did this go on? Was did anybody have a hint of it? I mean, there's all sorts of questions that I don't, I don't think we have the answers to, or NCAA probably doesn't have the answers to either yet. Um, but as in any sort of case, if you're a you know recruiter um, and you're you know there's illegal recruiting activity as we see all the time, um, and, and you get nabbed for that, the school in a lot of cases faces penalties. As an athletic department, um, that that happens you know fairly frequently. So. I wouldn't, you know, I think that's on the table here. Um, I don't think it's, you know, it's not the death penalty or anything like that, but it's it's something that I think the NCAA is, is going to want to send a message here that they're not going to tolerate this, as the NFL did when we saw the Calvin Ridley thing. And now the, you know, Lions players, they, they come down pretty hard on anything gambling related. Hey, Mike Rodak's our guest here for just another couple minutes. All right, so, Mike, what... Where, what's been the reaction to Greg Byrne, the the athletic department? It hasn't exactly been a stellar PR headline-worthy season or year for, for, for the folks in Tuscaloosa. No, it hasn't. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those things where it's, they're all separate events, and I don't know if um, you know, one of them necessarily decides the other. Um, you know, one person, Tony Mitchell getting arrested for marijuana in Florida, doesn't cause Brad Bohannon to bet on games. Those are two separate things. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, it, as a totality, looks bad for Greg Byrne, you know, looks bad for just the overall oversight of the department and, and keeping people in compliance, which, on that note, the compliance director, you know, got arrested this week as well. Um, so it, it's one of those things that it's not Greg Byrne's fault personally that these things are happening i think that's tough to like individually blame him on that but you still as the the leader of the organization the leader of the department it's it's under his watch so i have to imagine that the you know the alabama administration the trustees are not totally comfortable with everything that's happening and certainly not comfortable with the, the pr hits that they're taking either so are you say, are you insinuating that he could be a fall guy in all of this? I, I, I don't know if I would go that far, but I certainly think it's something that, you know, if there's NCAA penalties, if there's more things that start to pile up, those are typically the scenarios that get athletic directors in trouble. I, I, I can't say for any sort of fact right now that he's in trouble right now, that there's consideration of getting rid of him, but... It, it doesn't look good. I think that's the perception of this is certainly bad, and, and the national um, PR hit that they're taking is is not very good either. Uh, Mike, uh, I talked with, uh, I guess you would deem him an industry insider. A large bet by college baseball standards is a lot different than a college football bet, obviously. When you talk college football, you're talking six figures. 
I was told five thousand dollars would be so, uh, on a on a baseball bet would would kind of raise eyebrows or even raise flags, but that it was likely that it wasn't the size of the the wager more than it was the abnorm abnormality of it. Um, I was I asked the question about whether or not this is a black eye, and this is kind of the start of all those questions that come with gambling on college athletics. The answer was a little surprising to me. They said, no, actually, this is a good thing that it happened because it shows that the system in place works. There are checks and balances. Do you agree with that assessment? I know it's early, and we're very early in this whole college betting thing, but do you feel like this is a sign that things work? Yeah, I think it's it's a good way, it's an effective way to spook people. Um, and that's happened on the NFL level, too, where I think that's what happened with Calvin Ridley. You know, Calvin Ridley was uh, he's hurt or he was on his leave or whatever, and he's sitting and he says, oh, I'm going to make a bet on DraftKings. And that's all he did. And boom, I don't think people knew that at the time. NFL players probably didn't know it, but DraftKings and FanDuel all have technology that they know if there's an NFL player's name and Social Security number betting on a game. That automatically alerts the NFL. The technology is in place. Likewise, in this case, the SEC, which I didn't know until this week, had been contracted with that same U.S. integrity group um, that flagged you know, the state of Ohio yeah. since 2018. And so they've been monitoring this, and it's kind of been under the radar, I guess, but um, the same sort of thing applies. I mean, they've been paying attention, and the technology is in place. If you're on any app or in any sort of place that you're you know, putting your name on something, it's, it's going to come back to you pretty quickly. Um, and that's, that's the message that I'm sure they want to send people is look how easily we, we found this. Um, we, you know, look at all the, the technology and, and the data uh, that we can look at pretty quickly and then figure these things out. I wanted to ask you, uh, the university, after the firing, said they're not going to comment further because obviously, quote-unquote, ongoing investigation. Where do you see this going next? What, what, what direction, anything from the SEC, NCAA, or your fellow writers, Mike, as far as digging? Where do you, what do you see happening next? Yeah, SEC, I don't think it's going to get too involved from an investigation standpoint because typically that's not their role. Um, you know, they don't typically impose discipline. That's It's pretty limited scope what they do. NCAA, I think, is really the, the big one here because they're for an organization that has new leadership. They're trying to keep themselves relevant, and this is like red meat. This is blood in the water. This is something that they can really dig their teeth into because NIL is kind of what everybody wants them to go after, but that's hard. That's hard stuff to prove. Um that there's violations of NIL. This is, if this is a clear violation, then this is an easy case for the NCAA to really dig their teeth into. So I think they're, they're the next ones here that, you know, to watch out for. Not that that ever takes a short amount of time. I mean, look at Tennessee. They're still going on with that case, and that's years later. But, and then again, like I said off the top, legally, what sort of jeopardy is Brad Bohannon in because there are laws in place on the federal level? Uh, that prevent, you know, games from being compromised. Hey, Mike, great, great stuff. No, it's a busy time. I'm, I'm sure this is exactly what you signed up for when you decided you wanted to be the Alabama beat writer. Uh, tell folks how they can continue to follow your coverage of this and everything else happening in Tuscaloosa. 
On Twitter, at Mike Rodak, and on AL.com. But I'll be on vacation next week, so you won't find anything from me. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you think. Hey, man, enjoy it. You've deserved it, and uh, we'll be in touch, man. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. That's Mike Rodak. All right, uh, we come back. We'll do. Let's do traffic and weather here. You guys can chime in on this. Barry Dunning Jr. Ex- uh, expected to join us here at 8:30. By the way, uh, we've got to talk about a very important basketball game taking place today. Actually, uh, we Did talked about Sixers and Boston. No, this tonight? is bigger. Bigger than that. Bigger. 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 This has. This oh, might have no. nappy ramifications. Oh, well, that, now I see where you're going. This, um, yeah, this yeah, is obviously so, big. I mean, we talk about burying the lead here on WNSP. This is something we've What's had the, to... Uh, there's no betting on this game, is there? No betting uh, on? I, I, I can't. I, let me do my Bronner here. You know, I, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I can't confirm or deny that wagers will be made, but we'll discuss it next right here on the sports station WNSP. Hey, this is Jimmy Ripple from Gator Boys, and you're listening to WNSP on 105.5. Go, Johnny, go! Go! Go, Johnny, go! Go! Go, Johnny, go! Go! Go, Johnny, go! Go! Johnny, be good. All right, 824 here. Welcome back in the Dr. Chris Ramonix Championship Drive. Mark and Lee from McGill Tool and Catholic High School. It is time for the Miller Lite Golf Report. John Ricchetti, front and center. It's at Wells Fargo. What's going on there, Johnny? Well, I tell you, it's uh, a good solid field going on, but you got uh, plays underway. Xander Shockley has made a birdie early in the round to catch the first round leader, Tommy Fleetwood, at six under par. Both players are at six under par. Rory McIlroy uh, is three under par, getting ready to set the tee off this afternoon in today's uh, round. Also, Robbie Shelton, an even par, got off a great start yesterday. Uh, I think at one point he was tied through the lead, kind of had struggled on the back nine and made a couple double bogeys, but he did get in the house at even par. He set the tee off this afternoon and is going to have to probably play another even par around to make the cut to get into the weekend. So we'll keep an eye on that. This is an elevated event. No Scotty Scheffler, no John Ramas. They decided to sit this one out as uh, players are allowed to sit one elevated event out in the season. Also, in a few other notes in the world of golf, uh, Tiger Woods no longer with uh, Joe Lacava, his caddy. Uh, as he did, as Joe Lacava picked up Patrick Cantley's bag, and he had a good round yesterday, too, on the first time he's been on the bag. So that indication that Tiger Woods will probably will not be back in 2023 at all playing golf. And I suspect some people are saying this could possibly be a sign of his retirement, but uh, I don't know. I think next time we see Tiger Woods, will probably be at the father's, uh, the, you know, father's son of the child. Uh, parent-child tournament uh, back in uh, December where we'll play with his son, Charlie, because they can ride in that cart there, or we might see him at the Masters. We'll, so keep an eye on that story. Also, uh, Ian Poulter and uh, Lee Westwood uh, all, and Sergio Garcia all deciding this week, yesterday, to resign their membership from the European Tour to TP World Tour. Uh, so that means that they will not be eligible to be a Ryder Cup captain in the future. Also, a lot of great scores. We don't have time to mention all our 
high school girls and boys that played in the first round this week uh, to advance to the second round on, on the way to the state championship. But congratulations to them all. Uh, so a lot of really, really good playing, and all of them will make uh, the next this Monday and Tuesday as they set to see if they can make the state championship you know, in a week to go. So good luck to all our junior golf, uh, high school golfers, both boys and girls. A lot of really good golf was played this Monday and Tuesday. We'll check in with you on Monday, Johnny. You have a great weekend, okay? All right, guys. Take I'm care. sure the weekend, we can get off to better start for Johnny than a whole bunch of other people we've been talking about, like Brad Bohan and the trainer at Kentucky Derby and all that kind of stuff. But we'll get into that a little later on. do want to thank Rich's Car Wash, uh, the local hometown car wash since 1976. Visit them at any 30 locations. Khalif Betzel and Adams Accounting, James Donaghy Contractors, and the Guild Toulon High School, Shipyard Supply, and the Green and Phillips Injury Law Firm. So as we're coming into the break, tell me, what game am I looking so, forward to today? As you guys know, uh, the opening kickoff has been nominated for uh, a number of nappies. We encourage you to vote, and thank you for nominating us. But also the final drive has been nominated as well. And so we've decided that we're going to do a little, uh, little we're going to have a little fun. So today we are playing, and Nick, you can jump in. We only got a minute here. We're going to play a little basketball two-on-two, two. me and Nick against Corey and Bronner. The losers have to vote the others uh, for nappies this week. So we plan on getting a couple more awards today. What do you think, Nick? I think we're going to kill it, man. We've been gotta, talking. We, we got to force Bronner to beat us, deny Corey the ball, and I think we'll it'll be smooth sailing. Yeah, and uh, I think if you keep the defensive pressure up, I'm not sure how Bronner feels about extending What's the game. What's the format, time-wise? or? Basket? I think we're going to 11 by 1s and 2s. We need to talk about whether or not uh, we're make them take them. We, we may not want to play make them take them. We do want them to have an opportunity to have the ball. Um, so it's one of a number of events that we will compete in, but I think round one is basketball today. Speaking of basketball, Barry Dunning Jr. scheduled to join us next as we continue from McGill Tool and stay with us. Russell, bad pass, but it finds its way to James, who has to hoist it up. And he banks it in! Wow! LeBron James with the shot clock expiring, had to throw it up. Shot clock. What a shot by LeBron. First of all, the awareness, recognizing the clock. 8.32, it wasn't much of a game last night in the NBA, although LeBron did say they're the best team in the league defensively. Who's the best? The Warriors? Lakers, no, the, LeBron said that the Lakers were the best well, team defensively. the Warriors had the reputation of being atrocious defensively, which they were in the first game. So yesterday they made a switch. It paid off. The Alabama alum, uh, Jermichael Green, got in. He didn't play all that long, but he played well, replacing Looney. And they defended well on the three-point line. All you have to do is take a look at the stats. The Warriors couldn't miss 50% on 42 threes, where the Lakers, I think, were like 6 out of 30 or something like that. And, and the guy that had the great game on uh, the first game, Anthony Davis, did nothing yesterday. He did a disappearing act. So the Warriors going away, won that game. But now the scene shifts back to Los Angeles for game three. Our scene... 
Thanks to the championship driving, Dr. Christopher Mullenix and great sponsors like Will Barnes Family of McDonald's Restaurants, uh, Greer's Markets and Cash Saver, Beef O'Brady's, Tillman's Corner. We really thank Todd for coming out here every every Friday and being a part of our show. Uh, Rich's Car Wash, Ward International Trucks, and LNS Air Conditioning, because this is our final show, and I really do appreciate our sponsors coming along. Barry Dunning, uh, McGill Tillman, we always reserve this segment for the uh, alum, and we got Barry on the line with us right now. Most of you know two-time Mr. Basketball in the state, went to Arkansas and is in the portal now and I think is going to be announcing very shortly or soon where he is taking his next talents to. But Barry, first of all, good morning and thank you for joining us. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for having me this morning. Hey, I wish you were here with us in person. Uh, let me ask you this. Let's backtrack a little bit because we always we always look to see where somebody's going. But what what was what entered your decision to leave Arkansas? It's a very fine basketball program. You play for one of the best, better coaches in America. But there had to be something there that said, you know, maybe things aren't what they're supposed to be here. I need to leave. Why? What were some of the reasons? Uh, I think there wasn't really many reasons. I think you know I just wanted to go somewhere. Where I get some playing time and showcase um, what I can do, and so I just feel like me, and my family, is the best fit for me to enter the transfer portal and you know find find the school. Did he give any indication about playing time for next year? I know you didn't get to play that much this year, and I know how everybody leaves and they bring in a whole new team. It seems like, but do coaches and in this case Eric Musselman, do they tell you after the year when they meet with you that there's you, you just stick around? We need you. There's going to be a lot of playing time, or they don't say anything. Uh, I mean, you do have that meeting with them, and you you, you know you talk to them, and um, there's always opportunity to uh, compete and play for every team, but like I said, I think the best option for me, you know, like my family says, you know, for me is to transfer for the, um, find a, a different fit. Yeah, there have been a, a ton of reports about Musselman and the way he, he treats the transfer portal, Barry, and it's a double-edged sword for guys that get recruited and brought in, knowing that they can turn around and, and then get uh, more guys coming in, so it's a tough spot, but I only bring that up because, uh, it, you know, I think it's fair to say that you're one of those guys that you didn't want to leave Arkansas. You wanted it to work out. You were very fond of that area. Uh, yes, sir. I mean, ever since I came to Arkansas, they showed me nothing but love and uh, gratitude, and I want to thank them for that and thank the coach staff for, you know, uh, recruiting me and bringing me in. My first year, I learned a lot, and I grew as a person. But like I said, at the end of the year, you know, you had those meetings, and, you know, the best fit was just, you know, and the transfer portal and go somewhere else. Is there a chance you'll stay in state? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> that that narrows it down a little bit, right? For the from the rest of the nation, that's good. What did you learn? What did you take away from your experience at Arkansas on the basketball court? On the basketball court, you know, just learning how. Um, it was kind of around like an NBA program, you know, uh, everyone worked hard, learned a lot of uh, good terminology, uh, you know, how to become a pro, you know, things like that. And I mean, it was a great environment. I learned a lot from all the coaches, learned from all from the GAs, and, you know, going this far, we did NCAA tournament, you know, you really see how a team is supposed to work, how it's supposed to do things on and off the court. 
get to that uh, certain goal. So um, that's what I learned this year, and you know I'm gonna hold that in my heart and take it forever. Barry, can you d- tell us kind of the difference between being recruited coming out of high school and what that experience is like when you enter the transfer portal? There's so many guys in the portal. I just feel like you probably just have random universities and programs reaching out to you. How does that work, and how different is it? It's very different. You know, in high school, you have colleges that talk to these high school recruits for like for months, probably like sophomore years, maybe even freshman years. That's how long it is. So they kind of build a relationship over through the years. But when guys come from college and enter the transfer portal, any level, it's kind of like speed dating. So you really have to, you know, answer a lot of calls. You really have to narrow down schools on the side in a, in a small window because, you know, they recruit guys out of JUCO, recruit high school guys, and other, you guys said other guys are transferring. I believe it's like, there's like almost a thousand guys still in the transfer portal. So, you know, you really got to decide and find the best fit for you because, you know, guys, they might go to the next guy or other guys may commit there and they put you in, uh, in some different spots. So it really just like speed day and hurry up and find the best decision for you in a certain amount of time. So when you enter the portal, and, and you're right on, There's uh, I was told there's over 2,800 in the uh, transfer portal just in basketball alone. That's the number that was thrown in my face. So when you get into the portal, do coaches contact you or do you contact them? You can do either or, but when I enter the transfer portal, a lot of coaches had called me and called my parents as well, uh, asking me, like, or showing me that they have interest, wanting me to come to their school and trying to build a relationship. And like I said, a small window. And, you know, that's how it really works. Or you can call coaches. If you have them call coaches, ask them that you're interested in going to their school if it's possible for them, possible for you to go there. Then you buy, you know, position or if you have enough scholarships. So you can either call, you can call them or they can call you. Barry Dunning, Jr., our guest here on WNSP, graduate of McGill Tool, and that's where we're broadcasting here from. Uh, what? How does? I, I, I'm I'm assuming you have a couple of NIL deals or did through uh, through your association with Arkansas. Typically, does an athlete take those NIL deals with NIL deals with them to their next destination, or do those become null and void? Can Can you shed some light on that for me? Um, I'm not really too educated on you know about that part of NIL, but I believe so that it doesn't matter like where school you can go to. I think some NIL deals will stay with you just depending. But, you know, if you sign, I think most guys, when they sign NIL deals, they sign NIL deals for like every season, you know, around that, that college town or where they at for that season. So, uh, but I, I do believe that NIL deals can still travel if you travel go to different schools. Barry Dunning, Jr., uh, Barry Dunning Jr. joining us on this segment, our alumni segment here at uh, the Champion Drive at McGill Tool. And so take me through uh, practice sessions with the Arkansas team. In your own mind, were you good enough to play with those uh, talented athletes that Musselman brought in? Were you? Do you feel in your own mind you could have gone out there and played? Most definitely, yes, sir. Uh, Coach Mudge brought us all in here for a reason, and we all had – you know, different tools that we can use on the court. You know, we all have different abilities and talents. And, you know, in the summertime, even during practice, we compete all year. And, you know, Coach Musselman has uh, his way of coaching. You have to respect that because we all signed here, so we respect it. And, you know, just continue to work hard, you know, keep working, and just wait your turn, really. And, you know, that's what you learn. And 
uh, like I said, the experience was here was great. You know, practice was always competitive, learned a lot, um, was hard working, uh, practice every single day. So you, you build up that good work ethic. And, you know, I really enjoyed everything I learned at Arkansas. Hey, uh, let me ask you this. I think the public sees Eric Musselman in games. He's a little edgy, okay? He does things that maybe other coaches don't do. He's got a reputation of being a little bit on the wild side. Is he that way in practice? A little bit, but I wouldn't think, I wouldn't call it like on the wild side. I'll just say that he's very passionate about the game of basketball. And, you know, as a competitor, you have to understand, like, like even even me, I hate to lose. So, you know, he really just showing that passion. He really try to, you know, put that competitive fire in us, showing that, you know, that, that as a whole we want to win, we want to compete, we want to keep learning, keep growing. And so that's why I feel about Coach Muslim, that he's compassionate about the game of basketball. And I think that's why a lot of guys come to the Arkansas program to be coached under him. Hey, tell us what it was like to, uh, to be in an arena an SEC arena and feeling that energy and and how different I'm assuming it's a, you take it a, up a different notch man you were in the NCAA tournament what what, what was that experience like for you playing in the SEC is like a dream come true because a lot of kids dream of playing in SEC schools and playing those tournaments as you grow up and actually you know being in that tournament um, was like no other the environment was great uh, fan, the Arkansas fan base was great they traveled and the preparation for that and the excitement each and every practice was great as well. So really enjoyed that. And also in the NCAA tournament, it was like a dream accomplished, a goal accomplished actually, you know, being there, being in that environment, uh, really feeling that, uh, feeling that aura of like, is when to go home. Um, and shout out to Arkansas fans as well. They traveled and it was a great experience. My first time being in Las Vegas actually. So I really enjoyed that as well. And um, being able to play in there and, you know, being fortunate to score, uh, you know, I was I was really lucky and, you know, blessed and grateful to, to be in that position. But I hate that we lost a good, a very good UConn team. So, I mean, the experiences here were like no other. Uh, so, Barry, Barry Dunning Jr., our guest here on WNSP. Uh, I got to ask you, uh, here we are at your old stomping grounds here at McGill. Tell us some of the more memorable moments you had here as a Yellow Jacket. It's a lot of memories. Uh, really, I can just go down the timelines. Like, uh, well, I remember uh, going to Orlando, Florida, and I say, like, from a from a team standpoint, that was like the most fun I had. You know, really enjoying my teammates, my first year with all those seniors and juniors on the team, and uh, they really showed me, taught me a lot. You know, that whole class with, like, Jack Swin, Matthew Magnese, Michael Ellis, you know, Bo, all of them, like, Cole, AI, you know, Dallas, Rick, like, it's all those guys, man. They, I say that's my most memorable moments when we won. And uh, Orlando, uh, sophomore year, uh, when we went to Peora in Chicago, I see that, that, was, that was something, though, because, you know, he's playing 2K on the bus. You know, I beat Coach Murphy. And 2K, I'll never forget that. Still has a video up on Twitter. <laughs> uh, you know, this is like those long, like just those long bus rides. You know, you have no phones, no nothing, no service. It's hard yeah. to get service, so you just like have to force talk to your teammates. And I learned a lot by my teammates, and we talked for like that whole three to four hour period. So, I mean, that was just a great experience. And my junior year is when you know we all went virtual school. I missed my first, I believe, three games. 
And, you know, we all went uh, virtual school, and that was a very memorable moment because I see some of my teammates in Zoom class, and we were just like, man, well, I'm going to see you at practice today. You know, and um, that was I, – I really enjoyed that because uh, we were able to still have a season. Uh, in my senior year, I think just the whole the whole, the whole whole year because it was a great group of guys, you know, I was seeing with, you know, me, Miles, Gavin, Thomas, you know, Z, all those guys, and uh, Cooper – you know, we all uh, were seniors, and you know we had to be leaders to those to those younger guys. And you know we went pretty far, you know, almost going to the state championship. Fell short, but that whole season, man, I loved those guys, enjoyed my time with them. And uh, yeah, so I mean, McGill was filled, filled with a lot of memories that I'll keep forever, and I enjoyed it. Perry, we really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. We wish you the best and look forward to your next destination and having you return with us on the air. So uh, we wish you the best, and I want to thank you for taking time to join us. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me this morning. I always appreciate it. You bet. That's Barry Dunning, Jr. Gracious time, and uh, maybe he'll be announcing sooner than later. Yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would. If I were you guys, I'd stay close to social media today. We come back one final segment. We'll talk about the real basketball game that's taking place right after the show. Stay with us. Closing ceremonies are next. It's the Dr. Chris from All Next Championship Drive right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Monty Burke, author of Saban, The Making of a Coach. You're listening to WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. Another season of the Dr. Chris Romanek's Championship Drive. I want to thank all the fine folks here at McGill Toolin and all the high schools that we've had a chance to uh, to visit here uh, during the spring. It's been a lot of fun, and and fear not, uh, we're going to give Air Sports One a little bit a little break here, but we'll be back uh, in the fall for high school yeah, game days. I was just thinking about this, how fast it's gone. It seems like I can't believe we're, we're done already. Uh, we had 12 visits, uh, really appreciated all of the athletic directors, coaches who came out and supported us and our fine sponsors. And, of course, in the fall we'll be back and we'll come up with a – uh, obviously an itinerary of places we want to go. You know, as I look to the weekend, of course, you know, when we come back Monday, we'll be talking a lot about the Alabama and what happened with Vanderbilt, but more so if there's any repercussions from the investigation. The Kentucky Derby, I know, will be a huge event. They'll have a, a big viewership. Obviously, a lot of people betting on the horses. Be careful. Free scratches already. And I wonder how much uh, coverage uh, NBC, I think NBC's got it. I may be wrong on that, will give to what has happened, the tragedy with four horses dying this week and or recently let's say and a trainer even though he wasn't found to be doing anything illegally two of his horses uh died within the last six or seven it's, days it's crazy oh, it's, it is. it's like it's like the derby's turned into like the hunger games like great that you get selected and all of a sudden it, it gets real I, I don't know enough about horses uh, i love watching horses and especially horse racing but I will say this, Mark. You wonder is there like an epidemic, some sickness going on? And so this 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 job, this trainer, who's been grounded uh, by Churchill Downs, he has another horse that's been scratched. Uh, I think is well, what did I say his name? Saffron uh, 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 Saffy Joseph Jr. So he's done. He's out. 
Uh, three horses have already been scratched for a variety of reasons, so be careful when you bet tomorrow to make sure your horse is still in there. <laughs> All right. Uh, and the big basketball game coming up this after, this morning. Yeah, so people no, are asking us. Uh, no TV? Let, let me say this. It will not be televised, although we're hoping to document it for social media. Uh, it will happen today uh, in, in an undisclosed location. Uh, I'm, I'm, I think we're getting, uh, uh, we're getting access to a facility that might allow us to do that, that is allowing us to do that, but I'm not sure we can have people uh, showing up to watch, uh, watch what will – I think might be a blowout. Somebody asked what the uh, what the spread might be in the app. I think Nick. I think you you said in there. Um, what'd you say about? I'm saying four and a half. Uh, so we're going to eleven, right. right? By ones and twos. And this is going to be like one of those closed space jam practices that Michael Jordan yes. had. That there's no footage. Right. That's of. what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so, but the difference is we aren't going to hang on to the footage for years and years. We're, we're going to, we're depending on the outcome, we might. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We might hold it for Lee's last dance documentary that's going to come out. I just hope none of you guys gets hurt, pulls a hamstring, or you know, snaps an Achilles. You see, or I'm just like the opposite. That. I'm hoping that at the very worst, it's a hamstring. Like if it's just a hamstring, I'm, I'm thinking it's a good day. The question I have for you, Lee, is: Might you be able to join us to provide play-by-play? Can we pull you out of retirement for what is going to be an instant classic? I wouldn't mind coming to watch it. I don't feel like doing play-by-play this morning. Uh, I, I really. What don't. if Nick brings you a fruit cup? Yeah, no, okay, you know, incentives. That helps. Well, yeah, incentives. Michael's obviously going to be there. Incentives. There's a, yeah. Uh, that's oh, good. snap. It's getting real. All right, so, hey, Nick. Mark, can you shoot? Can I shoot? Uh, um, Somebody better shoot. Um, isn't our nappy riding on we this? Need, we, I think we can kill them if we spread the floor. In a two-on-two? Two? Yeah, let's spread the floor. Let's milk the clock. No, we let's spread work the for floor, good and then I can, I can get to the lane. And then if they crash, and they I'll double just and you it kick. out to yeah. you, and then you'll take it from there, right? Okay, so what we're doing is we're just going We're going to go spread the floor. We're going to go flat here. Uh, we'll go the 1-4 the set, and then you just take what Bronner off the dribble. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to go a little one-on. I didn't know if you wanted to go two-man action, a little pick and roll. Yeah, uh, you can. know, we, we could, we you could pick and pop. You could like pick and roll. Size advantage. Yeah, but if we're communicating, we could go – Stockton Malone on them. Are you guys going to be mic'd Which up? Which one's Malone? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I need uh, – I don't think I, – I, I, well, maybe we call it something else. Maybe we just call it pick and roll. Maybe we won't call it Stockton Malone. Hey, I know. I could sell concessions. Maybe have a concession stand. Sure. How's that? All right. Sure. Or, or memorabilia. Maybe some jerseys. Some T-shirts. Some T-shirts. Yeah, some WNSP T-shirts. Yeah. I could sell them. Yeah. Um, defensively, I think we probably go man, right? One yeah. zone. No, um, I don't know. You Let's know, Corey, he's man. coached basketball for like 20 years, so I'm assuming that there is a shot there. And I'm assuming that go he might have man. some decent post work. Now, when it comes to athleticism and, like, getting by, I don't know, but we might have to, like, double in the post if they go to that option because that's the only thing I could see them, Corey, scoring at efficiently. You guys you guys call your own fouls? Yeah, that's the other thing. Do we sh- do we do we hack a shack with Corey, and then just make him take it up top and start all over again? Maybe it depends how the score uh, goes. See, I'm thinking maybe early on I draw like a really small ticky tack foul off a of Brawner, 
And then for the rest of the game, now he's going to be hesitant to put contact on me. And then I start initiating. Yeah, he's going to. Yeah, and then you're living rent-free in his head the whole game. He's all upset that you called that foul, and he's complaining. And I'm going. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going for an ankle breaker too. I'm trying to put Brawner on the ground. Oh, okay. We we putting him on skates, huh? I'm gonna try to. All right. Well, I would encourage you guys one to vote the nappies. I mean, one of our one of the guys that we're competing against even came on our show yesterday, Paul Feinbaum, and said vote for the opening kickoff. Actually, he said vote for whatever the name of the show is. But whatever, I digress. But then I would also encourage you to listen to uh, the final drive today to get their version of what happened. Then check social media to find out what actually happened. Yeah, is that fair, Nick? Yeah, All right. I think so. Very good. All right. Hey, Nick, are you uh, familiar with the Atlanta Falcons football coach? Arthur Smith? Yeah. Yeah? Why? <laughs> See the, uh, that story with uh, Pete Skaronsky, who was drafted in the first round? Uh, it came out today. He was talking about being interviewed by Arthur Smith. And Skaronsky, who was, by the way, picked up by the Titans, said, quote, I was giving generic answers to their questions during the pre-draft interviews. And he said, and, he, and this is what Smith said, you're really boring me right now. This is the head coach interviewing this college player. He says, you're boring me. Your answers are so boring, he said. And then uh, Skaronsky said, the whole meeting, he kept looking at his computer. I was kind of laughing to myself and said, sorry, I don't know what you want me to do. I'm answering your questions honestly. I, I can't believe a coach would actually interview a player, a would-be player, who they might draft and just tell them, hey, you're boring me. That's just how we do it in Atlanta. We keep it real like that. That's why we drafted Bijan, who's already out there training with Jamar Chase. Arthur Smith, man, he, he's a dog, and he, and he knows what he wants. Hey, Nick, I'll see you in a little bit, man. Go get stretched. Go get limber. All right, man, I got the yoga do mat this. out right now. That's that's not what I wanted to hear as a teammate of a basketball player. All right. That does it for another edition of the Dr. Chris Ramonex Championship Drive. For uh, Matt, Nick back at the uh, studios, and, of course, Alicia Vanny, and I'm Mark Heim. We'll be back at it Monday at 6 a.m. On behalf of everybody here, have a happy and safe weekend. See you.